JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the thickest double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, I think you should be here on a Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us again on Friday out of Victory Field to get you set for the baseball state title games, both Friday and Saturday here in downtown Indianapolis. That is a road show at Victory Field on Friday. I would love to see everybody out there for that. Uh, Meantime, Colts minicamp, three days now trimmed to two days. They have canceled tomorrow's extravaganza and put a cap on it up until training camp in late July earlier today. And James Boyd's going to join us. He's been here a number of times on the midday show, of course, from The Athletic. We'll talk about how things have transpired. Let's face it, outside of last week and all the Isaiah Rogers news off the field that nobody wants to hear, and that not necessarily with the Colts, and again, hopefully not, but don't bury your head in the sand. It is going to continue to happen. And I'd be I'd be more surprised, let's just say, for example, if it doesn't than if it does. But that has been the significant news item around here. Now, not so much this week. Investigation ongoing. Yeah, we'll find out. Ultimately, what happens here, I would guess relatively soon, but we can all take a a very educated guess, given the circumstances of others in the past, what is going to happen. And thus, we have done that. But really, nothing that big. And I know people are saying, well, everybody out there watching the offense kind of, yeah, I don't know about the offense. Yeah, I mean, what's new? (laughs) What's new? It should be non-surprising in January. I checked that in June. Um, I guess much like it was in January as well, but unsurprising here in June, especially for the new leaf in which they're turning right now. We'll talk to James about that, about the offense. You know, it's funny. 
I brought this up just a little bit yesterday. And frankly, it has to do with somebody else's team, and I really don't care. I don't care anything about the Buffalo Bills. Um, the only thing I've ever really brought up about the Bills is the fact that uh, they're going to end up either they offensively with Sean McDermott, um, the head coach, and them offensively, or let's just say this, himself, Josh Allen, I mean, you're, you're going to really derail your career if you don't stop taking ridiculous hits. And I mean, we, we saw it. We are the greatest examples. We have the most information. We are educated. That's what we are. Because we saw it. And we saw it. We embraced it. Oh, we loved it. It was a signature. I remember talking about it. I remember talking about it. Some things really stick out to me is, is memory. I mean, really vivid memories. And, you know, coming back from Alaska... On a flight from Denver and reading the number of of hits and unnecessary hits uh, back then for the Colts quarterback, that was something I brought to the table afterwards. And and at that time, it was still like, hey, you know what? The signature is the extension of the play or, you know, adding that extra depth in terms of offense because you have a mobile, a running type of quarterback. And you know what? That can be great, but there is such a shelf life. It's like a shelf life of an NBA championship coach. It is just not very long. You cannot continue to take hits. That's only the only thing I've ever brought up regarding Buffalo is that. And at some point last year, that did start to take its toll. And that's one thing about Anthony Richardson. I I love that we're talking about a multifaceted, you know, in terms of baseball, right? They use five-tool player, this incredible athlete, but you cannot risk getting the dude beaten down. And it may be something you can deal with right now, but we all know this. Ultimately, you pay the price. You do. You got to learn how to throw. You got to acclimate to those around you. And you know what? Everybody around here, you have to have some talent to throw to. It just can't be your average me, you, and some other dude out there. I mean, even Peyton Manning, one of the greatest to ever throw it, had legitimate dudes. He created dudes. Don't get me wrong. But so did those around him. He had guys to throw it to. You want guys to throw it to. You know, all this running stuff because you're thinking about video games and yeah, here's my joystick and blah, blah, blah. Here it is. Great. And then you end up paying the price. And then the, those that beat you down verbally because you're not so much into it, those that beat you down verbally early end up going hiding late. You know, much like the whole Miles Turner thing around here. They go hide late because they don't want to own it. So it's, I think, better that you deal with it right now. And and in terms of this, I've I've received a couple of different emails regarding Stephon Diggs. And again, I don't care. I don't care. It's Buffalo who cares. But it is the, hey, you always talk about wide receivers. Doesn't it sound fun to have to deal with something like Buffalo is dealing with? A couple of those. And to me, that's incredibly short-sighted thinking. Like, I hope one of these days, I hope that the Colts have an offense. I hope the Colts have a quarterback. I hope the Colts have a wide receiver that 
in this case would be capable of trying to reportedly pull something like this. I hope they have to deal with it. I hope they have to deal with it because that is where the NFL is. And until somebody tells me otherwise, that is where the NFL is going to continue to go. Now, we'll talk at length, and I'm sure James and I will talk about Jonathan Taylor because you've got news breaking, not so much here, but regarding, for example, how the Giants are dealing with Saquon Barkley. And we know how the Vikings were have already dealt with Dalvin Cook. That's just the nature of the NFL right now. And it is nothing personal. It is just business. And if you can have a fantastic running back while also having depth and talent at your other skill positions offensively, then hallelujah. But oftentimes, those two don't come together. So to me, it's always going to be more important with the wide receiver. And for those of you out there that suggest that you don't want to have to deal with a headache, um, I want to have to deal with the headache. Like it's not something it's it's not something where I'm saying, well, you just want to kind of stir the pot of trouble here. It's not that at all. It's having somebody that is good enough to justify that. Because that in the future, and I'm talking in the short term here. Not to mention the long term, but definitely in the short term, that needs to be the norm. And hopefully somebody here will recognize it or has recognized it, but it is important. It's at the top of the list. And running around like your super Tecmo Bo Jackson, that is fantastic. But this is not a video game, and these guys end up paying a significant price. And then you as the fans end up paying a significant price, and you've seen it. Running around, extending the play. You know, just the overall decision-making of the quarterback. You know, erring on the side of caution. Or maybe, better yet, being able to air it out is this cautionary tale. And having somebody on the other end, plural somebody's on the other end, that are capable of catching it. Capable of doing something with it once they catch it. Capable of being a threat. That's what you need. That's what you're looking for. And I long for the day when you have a diva wide receiver making some noise, putting you at the top of the the NFL storyline on, good Lord, get up. (laughs) Getting everybody from the New York area and just like flooding them into early morning ESP. I don't know if I can take it. If I got to see one more Knicks person on that, I can't. Like, I, I like to try to be a little bit educated on stuff, but I just go, oh my God. Anyway, that's definitely when I turn it on, leave it to Beaver or Andy Griffith is when that happens. But I can't wait. I will embrace that moment. We'll talk about it then, but it first has to be created. And I'm sorry, that's what's going to be necessary around here. You can talk about all these other things all you want. And believe me, everybody has over the past seven years. And it has gone over like a lead balloon. 
that is now the time when you get serious. And that's a part of being serious about that level. To be where you want to be in the NFL. And having a headache in Buffalo right now is just the path that you take. So you let quarterback and wide receiver sort it out. Because surely to goodness, Buffalo's not dumb enough to want to trade like pro football. I think it's pro football talk is talking about, well, you know what? It's not impossible to trade him. That stuff you got to work out. That's a reason why you trust a quarterback like that. That's a reason why a quarterback like that gets lauded. That's what you want around here, ultimately. You guys got to work that out. Uh, we have seen what happens when teams say, oh, you know what? I'm the smartest person in the room. Let's trade this wide receiver. Good idea. <laughs> Good idea, Tennessee. Well done, John Robinson. What's John Robinson doing right now? So, no. No, I, I do not at all look at this situation and go, wow, you know what? I'm so glad that the Colts don't have to deal with that. or I, I don't want to have to deal with a diva wide receiver. I'm going to put my – I can't very much if you're watching via YouTube Live. I can't get my, my arm up past my shoulder right here. I need a shot. Kevin Julian, wherever you are, um, I need the needle. The needle needs to go right in here because we've got some issues right here. And see this – if you guys are looking right – this, this is affecting the 53-year-old man's jumper right here, and that just can't happen. The jumper is, I've got to yeah, put a little bit more underneath it, and I, I mean, well, it's, a, it's affecting. It's Kevin Julian, shot time right here. Yeah, at any rate, I will embrace the time when there is a diva wide receiver around here that is acting like a petulant, 10-year-old, because that means they're really good. Really good. And that means things are a lot better around here. So hopefully that answers your question uh, regarding the start of this show. James Boyd's going to be here in the 4 o'clock hour uh, from The Athletic. James, in fact, has done a great job when he's been in here. And I'm talking about hosting the midday show. So James at four o'clock. I think Bowen's been out both days as well at minicamp. Kevin's going to join us in the five o'clock hour. You know, Kevin and Jake and I are doing on July the 11th. We're doing a golf outing at Back Nine. Hopefully, you guys have signed up for that. Back Nine golf outing, eating, drinking, and being merry. You come on, July the 11th for a great cause. Hey, sign everybody up for that. See, that's another reason why I got to get this shot. I don't even know. Yeah, my, my golf swing's like a rusty gate in an unfolded lawn chair. But the shot would help me out for a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm like to a point now where I think I've done it so much where you remember, if you guys have ever gone through this before for the sake of your game, right? You know, us old folks have to do it for the sake of us continuing to play the games that we enjoy. If you've ever done it, the first time you do it, it is magnificent. And you're thinking everything is fixed. And then the more that you do it, the more your body becomes used to it. And what used to be like six months has turned into two months, has turned into a month, has turned into two weeks, a week, and now maybe three days. But I'll take the three days. I will take the three days. Uh, online, 1075thefan.com for our golf outing. We would love to see you there. I want to see all of you there. Seriously. 
you got to have a pretty damn good reason for me not to be there. Because this is like fun. We are providing fun. If you guys have never been to Back Nine, I'm telling you. It is legit. I'll tell you what, Back Nine. Third floor, third level, Back Nine, right there in the center. Magnificent. A great view of downtown. Promise you guys will love it. So you're going to have to have a really good reason to inform me why you can't be a part of it. Great cause, eating and drinking, having fun. We may even have Jake Query give us all a fireside chat. You guys like that? We can build a fire. Have Jake give us a fireside chat. And it won't even cost anything for the fireside chat. Pretty easy. See, Jeremiah, you got you to gotta agree with the diva take. Got to agree with it. At some point, when you got somebody at that level, that's what's necessary. And you just have to deal with it. And those that don't want to deal with it, those that decide to go a different direction are the ones that get burned. Don't be burned. No, deal with it. I know everybody probably thinks this thing in Buffalo is a pain in the ass right now. But you tell me how you feel if the dude is hauling in passes and being a difference maker in a game late in the season. Yeah, I know I know how their season ended in January. I know how it ended in January. You had Diggs looking at his quarterback and all that, but you got to iron that stuff out. That's just what happens when you have that level of talent. You can't be afraid of it. If you are afraid of it, you're going to be a loser. Don't be afraid of it. Hey, listen, everybody talks about around here all the time, you know, just how spectacular these guys are, these dudes are. Sometimes a squeaky wheel is necessary. And if it's a squeaky wheel at that position with a high level of talent, deal with it. Deal with it. Honestly, I don't watch much hockey. I watched a little bit last night, and I think I understand the reason why. See if you follow along. I think the reason why was last night's Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. It's not it's final, not finals, right, I believe. The reason why I loved it is because it was very reminiscent of me sitting around with my guys at Night Ridge Manor back in, what, 1995 playing NHL 95. Anybody else play that? It was like last night was watching that was like playing NHL 95 with the offsides off. And I'm assuming you guys know this in the film Swingers before they go out. And we all did this. This was great. This is one of the reasons why the 90s were so spectacular. You, well, first of all, you had zero responsibility. You were blanking around with your friends all the time, especially on the weekend. And before you went out, because you were always going to be fashionably late to wherever you were going, whether you were in L.A., Chicago, Indianapolis, or Bloomington, and you and the fellas sat around and you played a little NHL 95 with the offsides off, and you wanted to see guys' heads bleed. Just like in the film Swingers. Well, it wasn't so much that last night, but it was the nine goals. I think 12 in all. But the nine goals, it, it felt like a video game. It felt like playing that. It felt like I had the Blackhawks. I had the Blackhawks, and I had Jeremy Roenick. And with his offsides off, he's just like doing circles around. He like had three, three or four legitimate guys. Mario Lemieux was another one. I think Steve Larmer was one as well back then. 
where you could just run these guys all over the place. Like Sergey was Sergey Fedorov another one? I think Brett Hall was one then. Who's the Russian rocket with the Canucks that married the uh, full house chick? Who's that one? Pavel Bure. These guys all just went all over the ice everywhere and scored at will. Not even Tom Barrasso between the pipes for the Pittsburgh Penguins could stop the greatness with the offsides off. And that's what it felt like last night watching that. And I know a lot of you don't care, and I respect that. I'll keep it short. But that's what it felt like last night. And then you had Mark Stone going for the hat trick and just kept trying on the empty net. <laughs> like, like missed twice on the empty net and then finally put that thing home. It was very, very NHL. Really, I kind of felt like I was playing the NHL 95 video game and getting ready to go out to the bars afterwards. It's like, be like a night like tonight, for example. Summertime in Bloomington's great. That's exactly what we'd have been doing. Not watching the Stanley Cup, but maybe playing it to the best of our abilities. That's what that, that game last night felt like in Las Vegas. Las Vegas was the winner of the Cup. Nine goals. And I'm sure one hell of a celebration last night. The game, I think, was over by 8 o'clock Las Vegas time. These guys still aren't out of bed yet. Good for them. Fantastic for them. Yeah, thank you, Jimmy, for that. I did see that about Daniel Scott. Colts rookie, fifth-round pick. Daniel Scott tore his ACL in the last play of OTAs last week, placed on injured reserve. I saw that a little bit earlier today. Thank you, Jimmy Cook, for sending that to me as well. Adam Schefter, I think, just tweeted that out too. That's something we'll get to with James Boyd coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Yeah, I really don't mind. I know others are saying, you got to practice and, oh, this is so soft. Yeah, I really don't mind. It's June. Yeah, it's June. And what's going to happen is, I mean, these guys, like wide receivers and quarterback, Wide receivers and quarterbacks will still work together. Yeah, I'll get some off-season work going. Not like you're going to forget about everything. But uh, Colts, Colts are done with mandatory minicamp, and we'll talk about that with James coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Greg Rakestraw, bottom of the hour. I mentioned this, Victory Field on Friday. You got Friday and Saturday for the baseball state championships. We'll talk to Greg about that. We'll talk to Greg about the Indiana All-Stars and a lot more. Normally on a Tuesday, he was hosting Midday Show yesterday. So Greg is on with us coming up at the bottom of the hour, and Kevin Bowen's going to join us coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. The, the Reds continue. I'm telling you, if you're a Reds fan, just soak it up. I'm not suggesting they're going to win anything whatsoever. But just understand that much like what I'm talking about with running backs, much like what I had alluded to regarding championship NBA coaches, there's a shelf life there as well that we have seen in the past. Like, for example, a month from now, we may completely be ignoring what the Reds are doing. There are two games under 500 and two and a half games out of first place right now. What is the date? What's the date, James? June the 13th? Uh, today, uh, today's the 14th. Today is June the 14th. So for me to sit here and talk about my baseball team being two and a half games out of first in the NL Central in June, to a lot of fans out there, you giggle and you laugh and you go, yeah, whatever. 
But soak it up, Reds fans, because this thing can easily turn around. I mean, even when you go back a week and a half and they lose that weekend set, remember, to the Brewers? And then you see what the Brewers are doing right now. They're losers of five straight. Reds have won four straight. Yeah, soak it up. It is okay. Nobody's going to hold you to it. There's no freezing cold takes that's going to swoop in and say, hey, you were talking about the Reds in June, and look how crappy they are now in July. That is a rite of passage for being a Reds fan. So soak it up. I know they're beating, edging out either one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball or the worst team in Major League Baseball. Right now, um, actually, they are the worst team in Major League Baseball. The Royals are 18-49 and 49 because the A's are winners of seven consecutive. You think they're going to challenge? What year was that when Moneyball was depicted in the film? Was that 2002 or 2001? 2002? Uh, I believe it I believe. is 2002, yeah. When they won 21 consecutive? I think so, yes. Think they're going to challenge for that? Do they have 14 more in them? Scott Hatterberg going to come up, get the game winner and extra innings or the bottom of the ninth inning, I believe that it was. Uh, so the Royals are the worst team in Major League Baseball right now, but it does not matter. Soak it up, Reds fans. Soak it up. Talk about that coming up a little bit later on as well. Jethro Tall tickets for you. I have, so stand by for those. And a lot more still to come as well. See, I told you, just a little bit of like NHL 95. I got that right. It wasn't NHL 94. I think it was NFL 94, Madden 94, and NHL 95. But that's what they played in Swingers. That's what we played before we went out. And that's exactly how that Stanley Cup final game five felt last night. Is one goal after the other. All right, quick break, and we shall return. Kevin Bowen, James Boyd, and Greg Rakestraw is going to talk to us coming up on the other side. If you guys want to jump on board, you can at 239-1070. Email the address at jam via 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Bob Kravitz on the show yesterday, if you missed any of that. Talking about his time coming to an end at The Athletic and... What may lie ahead for him? That's uh, Bob Kravitz, 1075thefan.com, with the podcast from yesterday. All right, quick break. We'll come back. HD Radio, the stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Are you kidding? You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? But this whole place sucks. <laughs> That's right, it sucks. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I just like the promo said, big time at back nine, July the 11th. Got to be there. Sign up now, 107.5thefan.com. You've got to have a pretty damn good excuse not to attend. Because I want to see you. Me, Kev, Jake... I'm sure Jimmy and everybody else will be out there. It'll be a rocking good time. Back to your calls coming up in a minute. In fact, for the first time for your calls coming up a little bit later on. You know, I mentioned the Reds. I uh, mentioned 
Uh, the video game, the NHL 95, the last night's game five, the Stanley Cup, and why you want to have to, at some point, deal with a diva wide receiver here. Some of you would say, hey, you know what, not me. Um, those of you that you don't want it to be, you're probably never going to have the best wide receivers that you hope if you don't. Kind of the way that it is. At some point, you're going to have to deal with it if they are that good. And here you want them at some point to represent that good. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. He does everything, and I'm assuming he's doing the baseball state finals coming up both Friday and Saturday downtown at Victory Field. He's Greg Rakestraw. Am I accurate about that? You are accurate. I have the 2A and 3A games on Friday night. Rob Blackman will have the games on Saturday night, as I will have uh, Indy 11 soccer on Saturday evening. We are tremendous fans, are we not, of Rob Blackman? One of our favorites. Absolutely. Tremendously talented broadcast. Yeah, no doubts about that. All right, so you got uh, – who do you got coming up again? What 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 matchups? No, oh, he just dropped. Did everybody just drop? What the hell was that? You know, I could have bungled that question, though. So if I can go back and do it all over, get a redo out of that, I'll do over, I'm okay. But that was weird. I think everything just dropped. See, James is over there saying, hey, sorry about that. For some reason, everything just dropped out. James, that wasn't you, was it? No, it wasn't James. Back to Greg Raystraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It wasn't James, Greg. It was just something. I, I thought because I had two region teams, you hung up on that. I thought that was the deal. Well, tell me about the armpit representing coming down, down here Friday and Saturday. What's the armpit bringing? Now, again, as the play-by-play guy for these games, I want to point out that was JMB that said that. And not Greg Rakestraw, affiliated with the IHSA Champions Network. People understand that that uh, the armpit in Michigan and Kansas are all kind of in the same spot, little sweep spot for me. Well, I have no Michigan or Kansas teams on Friday night, just northwestern Indiana, just the region. Ileana Christian and Covenant Christian in 2A, followed by Andran and Silver Creek in 3A. All right. What's the better matchup? I think they're both going to be pretty good. Um, Ileana and Andran are both defending champions in 2A and 3A. Uh, Ileana brings back their, their top pitcher in Kevin Corcoran, uh, their top batter in the Vanderwood kid, whose dad is the head coach. Um, but they, they're going to play a couple of freshmen on their squad. Andran is going for a ninth 3A championship. Which is incredible. Incredible. All of which have been since 2005. Dave Pischer if he's not at 1,100 wins yet, he's about there uh, in terms of literally one of the greatest high school coaches in this state ever in any sport. Uh, he is. He should be up for consideration for the National High School Sports Hall of Fame. That's how good he has been, and obviously he's produced multiple major, major, multiple major leaguers, guys like Sean Mania, uh, Mike Barrasso come mind of, of recent vintage, but uh, they are good every year. They're a little bit young this year. Like they've got twelve seniors, but really only three or four of them play. So they thought this might be a bit of a transitional year. So with very much a different team, which they beat a rebuff team that had a potential first round pick throwing for them and Andrew Dukanich last year. This is kind of a different Andrean bunch, but yet they've scored seven runs in, in every postseason game. I've only had one of them that came down to a two run game at the end of it. 
and they're back here at Victory Field yet again. You know, it's it's amazing. You brought up the numbers of Dave Pischer, the Andrean head coach. With those types of numbers, um, it's almost like he should be about 125 years old. That's how amazing that seems. <laughs> and he basically started coaching in his mid-20s. Uh, and so I, I'll reveal this, and because I, I, I have talked to all four coaches at this point, I simply asked him, because like, I've done maybe five or six of their state championships now. I said, hey, are you thinking about hanging them up? And he goes, not even close. He goes, I'm still able to keep up in terms of, of fungos and throwing BP and taking care of the field. So yeah. it, it's great news for Andrean folks and bad news for the rest of the state. I don't think he's hanging them up anytime soon. Well, I mean, you you never you, – you don't want to see it end either. And, and that, I think, is what is – and just kind of looking at this, certainly from well on the outside in, that's what's made the, the longevity – and still finding a way to stoke that flame each and every year makes it, to me, even more amazing. Uh, and they have just been able to kind of cycle through talent. And, again, they had a couple, three different Division One kids on that team last year. And even even a program like Andrean, you lose as many college-level players as they did off of last year's team. You typically aren't going to come back the very next year but here they are again. I mean, they, they just simply win year in and year out. About the only thing that seems to slow them down are the years when they bump back up to 4A. They would not be eligible to do that until after next year. So they do have a legitimate chance of making it a three-peat in 3A this time around. Well, I'm sure Silver Creek will have something to say about that. So Greg Rakestraw, who's with us, Lafayette Central Catholic in Bar Reeve. Bar Reeve, normally we're talking about that in terms of basketball, but they do have – to me, honestly, across the board, really good sports, really, but certainly in baseball, they're always very competitive. But this is a, a year among uh, not so many other years in their past right now, isn't it? I think this is the first time they have made it this far in 25 years. I think they made it the first year of 1A back in 1998. But that is a case, and you would say the same thing about Lagodi, maybe to a lesser extent to North Davies. But that is truly where the rising tide has lifted all ships. They have gotten so good in basketball most years that there is that collective belief that, hey, we're going to win in virtually every sport. And they've also got fantastic facilities. You know, you can point to, you know, what they, Lagodi, and Washington have in terms of basketball on that strip of US 50. But if you look at all of Barry's facilities, baseball's right next to basketball. It's a tremendous place to play the way they've got that set up. So, you know, it's kind of ironic. They were a little bit down in basketball this year for the first time in a while. And, again, that's by their very lofty standards. Most schools would have loved to have had the record in the season that Barry did. But the one year they're down just a, a tick in basketball, they make a run of the baseball state tournament. Uh, it's Greg Rickstraw with us. Before we move on to something else, Cinder Grove and Penn. And I've got two questions about this matchup. The first one is, when's the last time that the team that won the softball title can also win with that possibility in mind the baseball title as Penn's going for coming up on Saturday evening. And I was talking to going back and forth with AJ Zapp from Center Grove a little bit earlier today. He's going to join me on the show, I think, tomorrow. His son Evans, a part of a very talented Center Grove team. Center Grove is exceedingly good, uh, and they are clearly the favorite, but Penn gets there so often. And Greg Dyko's their head coach with over 800 wins this season. And so you know Penn's going to give them a battle. Um, I, I expect that game to be really good. Um, Center Grove has been the best team in the state all year, but but again, you know they're, it's baseball. You know you have one good night, you have one, you have a pitcher that has a great night, you have a couple of hitters that have an off night, 
and things can change. And again, Penn is so well coached and Penn is so good on a year in year out basis. Your question about the baseball and softball winning in the same year, I'm literally trying to flip through the Rolodex of my mind uh, and think about teams that have won both in yeah. the same year. And in my 15 years of covering, that's about my, my time frame of covering baseball and softball. I'm sure it's happened and I'm spacing it, but there's not too many I can think of. Well, I know that Ron, Ron Colley's had success, and I want to say that maybe they might have made the state final the same year, but I also think that maybe at one, at one time, maybe like softball was three and baseball was four, something along those lines. Well, I was going to guess it was probably going to be a smaller school. I was going to guess maybe Lafayette Central Catholic, which you know, they have never they have never replicated their their success in baseball and softball. Okay, they've had some good teams, but they've they've never been like the the dominant softball programs have kind of been Lutheran, Tecumseh, Adams Central. Probably Tecumseh has made it the same year would be my guess, and maybe even did so last year potentially. So Tecumseh is probably the, the best answer to that question. Yeah, how, how stacked is is CG? And obviously, I brought up um, Evan Zapp, who's AJ's son. AJ Zapp, by the way, I think in '96 was a first round selection, number 27 overall by the Atlanta Braves, and he has been coaching his son. And obviously, Center Grove has a, a hell of a baseball program down there. How how talented have they been above everybody else in your estimation this season up until this point? You know, again, they have been good. But like I said, baseball is such a different animal in, in two things. You know, one, the Indianapolis dominance that carries over in a lot of other sports, football one, basketball two, doesn't seem to apply as much when it gets to baseball and softball. And I think a large part of that is because if you are gifted with one or two good pitchers, that can so, you know, carry the day to where, again, maybe the difference in – School size slash athleticism of the Indianapolis area and metropolitan schools, it just doesn't translate the same way in baseball. So, again, Center Grove has been the best team, but baseball is a different animal where, where even when you're the best team, there's always going to be a handful of games during the course of you know, a, a 30-game high school season where somebody can hang with you, where you're throwing your three, they're throwing their number one, and, and maybe they get you on that day. Now, obviously, it's going to be ace versus ace coming up this weekend. But even though I'd say Center Grove is the favorite, Penn certainly has a shot to beat him. So Greg Rakestraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So what have you made of uh, the Indiana All-Star efforts to this point? Well, I mean, you know, obviously we're, we're now in the past tense now. Um, and I, I thought Kentucky's voice team was, frankly, as athletic as they had been in some time. Now, that was without Mr. Basketball. Reed Shepard did not play. Um, and it wasn't like, and he's going to go to Kentucky. Obviously, that's Jeff Shepard's son that played for them back in the late 90s. But they had more kids that were going to at a Division One level this year than they had a year ago. And it wasn't, you know, huge name schools. Miami of Ohio, East Tennessee State, Moorhead State, places like that. But again, their overall talent level was significantly better. And so the fact that Indiana split with them was a little disappointing. But I thought on the boys' side, the story of the game, both games, was just a great start. Kentucky got out to a 14-0 and 22-3 lead. Indiana amazingly took the lead with like three minutes left after trailing the entire game in Owensboro. Just couldn't then hang on to that lead, and Kentucky ends up winning. Up here, Indiana races out to a big lead. Kentucky again got close, uh, but 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 couldn't you know eventually get over the hump or eventually put that game away. So you know on the boys' side, it was kind of more of a 
uh, more of a split year. You know, the, the dominance wasn't as substantial as it has been in years gone by. And on the girls' side, frankly, it's largely been an evenly played game for the last several years. So the fact that it was a split did not come as a surprise. Where's the annual standing as of right now? Once you know everything is complete right now, and, and as far as the, the matchup with the boys and the girls' annual is concerned, where, where is it right now? Uh, Indiana has a dominant lead in the boys. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. The girls' side, I want to say Indiana, Indiana has a lead, but it is much more competitive overall than in terms of uh, what the boys is. The boys has been so lopsided now for the last 25 years. I mean, if Kentucky had won here, it would have been the first sweep in the series for them since 1996. You know, they basically have won three times since 2004. So it, it's, it's been all Indiana that's completely made that one lopsided on the boys' side. Yes, Greg Rakestraw with us. You also know Greg is, much like me, a Reds fan, and I have been uh... – allowing Reds fans to soak up the excitement and the fun and the fact that they're two and a half games back in the Central, although two games under 500 to this point, and I know that it's June and nothing really matters right now and it's a small sample size, but would you agree with me? you got to soak up as a Reds fan whatever you can, and now is a time. Well, uh, when I was on the air yesterday, I said, you know what, the Midwest gets made over for flyover country. But if you're a baseball fan, you are thankful of your geographic location right now because there's no great teams in either the Central Divisions in the American League or National League. And so, yeah, the, the Reds are very much a work in progress. And, yes, we think the best is, is still a year or two down the road for this team. But if you get to the middle of June and whatever your division is, you're only a couple of games back, and that's a pretty good deal. And, and if you have been as bad and as – Unimportant and uninteresting as the Reds have been. My God, go for it. And so, absolutely, I'm over the moon about the position the Reds are in right now. Yeah, and I also recognize that they've been getting a, a couple of close wins against the worst team in Major League Baseball right now. But none right. of that matters to me. None of it. Right. Just, 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 is it a W or not? And if it is, great. Let's, 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 let's enjoy it while we can. All right. What else is happening with you besides the Friday night endeavors? So I've, I've got two baseball games on Friday night. I got two Indy 11 women's games on Thursday and Sunday. And then I've got Indy 11 on the road against the Birmingham Legion coming up on Saturday night. And then next week, John, I think it's the only week that is like this for me the entire year. I have zero play-by-play events next week. Are you going anywhere or staying home? Uh, I am. We are taking just a small family trip for the weekend because my wonderful mother turns 80 on Monday. And so we are taking a family getaway down to uh, to Gatlinburg, doing the chalet, the castle thing down there. And uh, I'm going to see aunts and uncles I haven't seen in a long time and, and looking forward to kicking back for a little bit. Oh, yeah. I've done that once upon a time as well. Well, you guys enjoy that. I'm actually taking, I think, Monday and Tuesday off, so uh, a little bit of a little bit of time as well. But uh, certainly don't work nearly as as much as as you do. But a job well done. We'll be, uh, of course, uh, checking it out. And uh, if you want to slide by on Friday, I'm at Victory Field from three until six. So you're more than welcome. Well, I, I am I am already uh, starting to like mark my calendar down because normally you have me on 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 Tuesdays. Obviously, I was on the air yesterday, yep. keeping the seat warm for you, so you didn't have me on the show yesterday. 
So knowing that, you know, July 11th at back nine, that is a Tuesday. I figured an in-person pop-in might be the thing to do for your golf. No doubt. There is no doubt. I'm hoping, I was kind of thinking, I got to have some music going. So I don't know if that's something where I can bring my stuff out and do it myself uh, with everybody. Or I need to have a DJ or a band or something like that needs to be out there as well. So I got to talk to the folks here, but we're going to make it fun. I'm sure they will happily take whatever you have to offer. (laughs) And yes. I'll be rolling in Friday about 4 to get my TV makeup on for 5.30. So I am happy to do a pop-in at some point in time during the 4 o'clock hour on Friday. Slide by, Greg. I appreciate it. See you, pal. It's uh, Greg Gregstraw on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. BT says, is being in Key West a good enough excuse to miss the golf outing? Um, I will say this. I want to go to Key West at some point. I have never been. I have driven as far as south of Key Largo. And then we started listening to Bertie Higgins and turned around. But south of Key Largo, I have driven and then came back. So I didn't get to Marathon and then down in the Keys. Now, I've heard this before. Like, I want to go because it looks spectacular. I, I love seafood. Um, I, I just think, you know, hanging out with the water and the clear water and, and all that down there would be spectacular. Uh, everybody seems to go shirtless, which I fit right in. <laughs> but others tell me that it's not so great. So Key West, thumbs up or thumbs down? I, I, I can't imagine it not being, okay, maybe not great, but a thumbs down. I can't imagine. Again, never been further than Key Largo, south of Key Largo. Some tell me it's not all what people make it out as far as fun but it looks fun as hell to me at any rate bt i guess so july the 11th our golf outing you got to be there i don't know how many excuses you're going to have for me you can start lining them up at jam v 1070 Uh, some of those aren't going to fly we're doing it for a great cause we're all going to be out there it's going to be a spectacular time if you've never been to back nine this is the time to go Quick break. We'll return. James Boyd of the Athletic. So no tomorrow get together for the Colts. Uh, their mini camp mandatory, sliced by a day. The loss of a rookie and the quarterbacks and maybe a shaky offense so far. We'll talk to James about that coming up at the top of the hour. Ninety-three five one zero seven five. The fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. It takes him a second to get on the stool because he's under five feet tall. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I raked straw a little bit earlier. Podcast 107.5thefan.com. I think A.J. Zapp's going to join us tomorrow. Remember A.J. Zapp, 96. First round pick in baseball by the Braves. Has a son, Evan, that plays for Cinegrove. Cinegrove and Penn coming up on Saturday night. For a baseball title game, I'm going to be at Victory Field coming up on Friday from 3 until 6. Get a couple of games on Friday. 
And I think Jeremy Chin of the Panthers coming on the show on Friday as well. Correct, James? So... Yep, he'll be on at 4.30. Football conversation right there from a former Fisher standout coming up on Friday, along with us being live at Victory Field. All right, Kevin Bowen in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get to some football conversation right now from The Athletic. You have heard him uh, recently, certainly, doing a great job on the Midday Show along with Jimmy Cook from The Athletic. James Boyd is with us. Hey, James, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm doing good. It feels a little weird being on the other end after being on the other end <laughs> the last few days, but uh, excited, obviously, for the season and excited to get a little break here before training camp starts up. I bet. Now, do you go someplace now, or are you still going to be working? I'm going to chill out. I feel like because of my job, the way it's been the last few years, I'm always moving and going everywhere. Yeah. So I look forward to not packing at all and just hanging out in Indy and actually seeing the city I live in. Now, before we get started, I, I see you asking this, and I don't think I've ever answered you on this, but do you find pickup games out there that you've been looking for, basketball-wise? I have, yeah. I got people who text me every now and then to go on a couple of runs, um, you know, get a chance to play at the YMCA downtown all the time. Yep. So, if you know me, any other good ones, I mean, hit me up. I'm ready to play anybody pretty much as long as you know that we're uh, regular people and we have jobs to get to the next day. I don't well, know all the hard fouls and stuff like that. I don't, I, don't play, <laughs> I don't play with people that want to pick me up at the hash mark, nor do I play with people that want to go at it like it's you know game five of the NBA Finals the other night. So, there you yeah. go. But a lot, of, a lot of canvassing of the South Side, a lot of Southport High School stuff, a lot of Center Grove High School stuff. So uh, it can happen. Good group of dudes most of the time, guys I've known forever, though. But you're right. I mean, occasionally you can get into that. You want no part of it how is it at the y does everybody keep it between the lines here downtown at the Honestly, y it's pretty good in the morning because it's grown men most of the time you know you have jobs to get you the rest of the day so you don't want to go into your job with a limp so everyone kind of has an unwritten rule of you know playing defense but not really going too hard now in the evening you might be up there with a bunch of high schoolers and people who are still trying to live out their hoop dreams from way back and when so sometimes it gets a little chippy and i just have to Shoot more jump shots and make business decisions that way. <laughs> I've been making business decisions since like 1989, so I'm good. That's <laughs> good. Hey, James, why did the Colts feel compelled to cut the mandatory minicamp a day short? I just think that they had enough, you know, in there, and I do think that they'll get plenty of reps, especially having two joint practices as opposed to one like they've had in the past this upcoming training camp. So it made sense. You could tell the divides are pretty good when they ended it. Um, would you have liked to end it on a better offensive showing? Perhaps the offense really struggled the last few days. But to me, that was to be expected considering um, how many guys were out and things like that. And also just knowing how the injuries have piled up, at least since I've been um, you know, tracking it, it kind of makes sense to just get out of there and a day early, avoid any further injury, and then hopefully have everyone help you to go outside of a few others, you know, most recently, Daniel Scott with the torn ACL, I was able to confirm independently. Um, other than that, you want to get out healthy and just hope that obviously your main guys, the guys, you know, who are you investing your franchise in, one being Anthony Richardson, stay healthy and you get into training camp and go hit the ground running. Did the, uh, the Daniel Scott injury have any leverage as to why they, they decided to go and err on the side of caution and cut it a day short, or were they going to do that anyway? I believe they probably weren't going to do that anyways, um, you know, but I don't think that it is a bad thing to end of the day early and avoid anything that you, you know, might see pop up, just a fluke type of thing. And obviously you feel for Daniel Scott because he was someone who was going to get an opportunity throughout right. his rookie season to be 
sort of that depth piece special teams guy, but, you know, sometimes those are the breaks. And it seems like it happens every year, not only for the Colts, but just around the league. There's always um, one of those sad stories where a guy is, you know, um, ready to go, and then you get, you know, one weird step or whatever the case may be, and your season's over. So James Boyd, who covers the Colts for the Athletic with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, have you heard anything? Have they been talking about, besides what they currently have residing on their roster, how they plan or if they're going to a plan? I'm assuming you have to at some point to address the need at corner, especially once you hear what ultimately happens with Isaiah Rogers. Are they waiting on that or... Are they waiting on something else? Is, is it not a priority right now? Where, where do they stand as far as that position is concerned? Yeah, they've been mum on this. Uh, Shane Steichen has shot down every single question about this, which is fair. It's a unique situation for him to be in, especially considering that what Isaiah Rogers is being alleged or, or what he's being accused of doing, um, you know, happened when Shane Steichen wasn't even his coach yet. So um, that's something that he has to weigh. I think just from a general standpoint – Common sense will tell you they probably just wait until the NFL um, comes to a ruling and then they can go from there. And it won't be uh, – because I think if you go out and sign somebody right now, which would open the door to basically validating that he's going to be gone for quite some time. And, again, although he had sort of that apology that admitted something, didn't mention gambling in the apology, um, it does not look good for him. But, again, you kind of have to wait to see how it all shakes out. Personally – I think that they should go out and get a veteran corner. I know some listeners might be like, you know, tuning me out right now, rolling their eyes, but I really think that it is important to have a pro, another pro in that room alongside Kenny Moore who can show them this is the way it takes to last in the NFL. This is what you have to do to be successful. And, and again, from the reports, James, we, we understood at least from these reports that the Colts did not know about the Rodgers situation um, until we basically learned of the Rodgers situation. Therefore, would, have you gathered whether or not they would have still decided to part ways so easily with Stephon Gilmore or were they like playing with Stefan Gilmore's thoughts of being an elder statesman at that position in mind and putting him with a team that could go further than certainly they could right now? Or, or maybe would you be second-guessing that had they known the situation when they decided to part ways with Gilmore? Yeah, these are all questions that I'm going to have to just make sure I write down and ask Chris Ballard. But I will say this. I do think that you rethink it more because when the trade was initially made for Stefan Gilmore – at the NFL's owners meeting, Chris Ballard said that he believed in Dallas Flowers. He believed in Isaiah Rogers to step up and kind of help fill that void. And obviously losing Isaiah, that's a that's a huge blow. It might not be, you know, a shockwave throughout the league, but it definitely sends a shockwave throughout the Colts in that cornerback room because the only other guy in that room who started more than four games in their career is Kenny Moore. And so they're in a bind. I do think that the Stephon Gilmore trade would have given, been given more thought. But ultimately, I also think that it probably still would have went through because from what I understand, he requested a trade, and Stephon Gilmore is a guy who um, is highly respected around the league, highly respected here in Indianapolis, and I think that the Colts would have done him a solid anyway to help him um, further his career and sort of go chase another playoff appearance and possible Super Bowl appearance, you know, knowing that he's on that backstage of his career and doesn't have many years left. It's uh, James Boyd of the Athletics on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You also referenced a little bit earlier, and I've seen this a couple of different places, uh, a, a shaky, kind of discombobulated offensive effort 
in this mandatory minicamp. And, and again, it's not like that that is huge news, but certainly something worthy of conversation. Describe how that has looked to you through these two days. Yeah, yesterday was rough. Um, just inconsistencies all over the board. Um, Gardner Minshew was not able to connect on any of his 11-on-11 throws yesterday. Really struggled. There were a couple that were dropped, a few that were just off target, you know, uh, miscues and things like that. And then with Anthony Richardson, it was more of the same. You know, he had a throw that he threw to Ashton Doolin that probably shouldn't have been caught because it was way behind him. Doolin makes a great catch, grabs it, and, um, you know, keeps the chains moving. But then he has one where he throws a perfect pass to Mo Ali Cox, and Mo Ali Cox drops it, you know, a deep post that would have been a huge play in a real game. And so um, then he comes back in seven-on-sevens and, throws a 65-yard beautiful deep bomb to Vincent Smith. And then on the very next play, throws an interception to EJ Speed in 7-on-7. Seven seven. So these are the ups and downs you would expect from Anthony Richardson. I probably would have expected to be a little bit cleaner with Gardner Minshew, but I also think the problem that they've kind of been up against as quarterbacks beyond just running the offense and getting to command everything is that they haven't been with their expected receivers. Michael Pittman Jr. hasn't. He didn't do anything in rookie I – mean, I'm sorry, not rookie minicamp. He's far from a rookie going to a contract year. But he didn't do anything in veteran minicamp. Jelani Woods is out for veteran minicamp. Will Mallory, the rookie tight end, he was out. In, and Josh Downs was out. He hasn't practiced since in rookie minicamp. So these are all people that you would expect at some point to um, have an impact. Even Alec Pierce missed a day. So um, there's been a lot of uh, learning, but also just having to learn with guys you just – I would assume if things go well, would not be out there, you know, come game time here in the fall. Yeah, it. Um, what 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 is your thought? Just from and again, this is a a small kind of thumbnail sketch of where they are right now. We'll certainly learn a lot more come the end of July and leading up to the season. But um, would you consider Anthony Richardson? And this is a horrible question, man. So good luck with it. On pace to be a week one starter or well off the pace from what you've witnessed? I would lean more towards the former that he's on pace. Um, again, I'm not sure what that exactly means. He was asked yesterday, actually, you know, what do you think will be the determining factor in deciding a starter? And he's like, I'm not sure. You know, I'm just going to go out there and, and keep trying to get better and see what happens. And I think there's some truth to that. There's also some quarterback speak. You don't want to say too much and put yourself in a bind against your head coach, but I think that he's doing okay. Um, he doesn't look like he's completely clueless out there, doesn't look completely lost. And from what everyone has said, teammates, coaches, he's approaching it the right way, asking a ton of questions, uh, really diving into the playbook and being sort of that humble, charismatic leader that's slowly but surely come out of his shell because early on they were saying he's pretty quiet. But then as we saw yesterday, he had a joke to start, you know, um, yesterday's pressure. So I think he's coming along just fine. But I would just say – so a lot of the fans out there who are, you know, really want this guy to start, it's not a failure if he isn't ready by week one because I think it's been understated just how big of a leap he has to take to go from 13 starts as a college player to, you know, being a starter in the NFL for one of the 32 teams in the best league in the world. So um, we'll see how it goes. But I think the training camp will tell us a lot more, especially in those joint practices when 
quite frankly, the other team doesn't care about how your quarterback develops, and they're there to embarrass you. So I'm excited for that for sure. Yeah, and James, this has been my point I've made regarding that too, and this is why I, – listen, I understand if he's far off the mark. I, I completely understand why you do err on the side of caution. But that won't relax the level of disappointment that I would have because he's that far off the pace and you combine that with all right if he's that far at the start of the season and knowing how you have to handle practice time in game week situations so when is he going to be ready it seems like that that would be a really tough hill to climb if he is not deemed ready by week one that's been my thought yeah I think that's fair I do think that the way I see it is He's not going to be a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew by week one. However, there just can't be this humongous ocean in between the two. You know what I mean? Like, you have to see considerable progress. You have to feel comfortable that when you put him out there, he's not going to, you know, completely, like, get lost or or have this fear or deer-in-the-headlights moment. I'm sure there's going to be some growing pains. But I think a lot of it just has to do with how he's picking up the playbook, how he's commanding the locker room, how much his teammates respect him. And if all those things, all those boxes are checked, you can live with him not being, um, you know, I guess, quote-unquote, 100% ready um, because no one really is in any field, and especially in this, you know, league of, you know, NFL and things like that. So I expect him to continue to progress. And, again, for me, it would have to be where he's just not picking up, and and I don't think that would ever be the case. It seems like he's a very smart player. I know that kind of gets glossed over because of his athletic gifts, but it seems like he's doing his best to learn the playbook and grasp it. And, again, we'll we'll learn a lot more when he gets more live reps against opposing teams who, again, have heard all the things about Anthony Richardson. You know, he could be a top-five player in the league. You think Philly cares? You think the Bears care when they're coming to town or when they go up there to Philly? So there's going to be times where he's going to get humbled. But, again, I, I expect him to bounce back and to, uh, you know, potentially close that gap over the summer. And as long as, again, it's not huge, he'll be okay. And when you throw him out there, the key to me is that you keep him out there. You don't want to throw him out there. And things go horribly, and then you got to yank them because then you're going to lose confidence, and it's going to be a whole, you know, thing. So just make sure whenever you put him out there, week one, week four, whatever, he stays out there. Hey, James, it's not like that. You know, I know this. I know that Chris Ballard has a different philosophy of construction of a team than a lot, than many. Um, and it really hadn't worked out at all, to be honest with you right now. Uh, I've made major note. We've all made major note of that. And we see what happened to Dalvin Cook. Uh, we're seeing what may end up happening to Saquon Barkley. Do, does that at all change the dynamic of this thought process on what the Colts' intentions might be for Jonathan Taylor and an extension moving forward? I think their situation has to be looked at. If you're the Colts and you're, you're the GM, Chris Ballard, you have to look at it from your own team perspective. You can't look at the outside people. But I know for him – JT was more candid today than he's really ever been since I've been on the beat. You know, he's, yeah, he's I noticed that a, too. I noticed the same thing. You're right. Yeah, like he's pretty cookie cutter answer. You know, never really say too much, never really shake the tree or whatever. But today he was kind of saying, you know, it's on them, you know, to pay me what I'm worth. And I don't think that he's going out here asking them to, you know, reset the market super crazy for him. But as someone who won the league rushing title two years ago and is obviously, in my opinion, a top five running back in the NFL, he expects to, um, you know, get rewarded for that. And then I think last year kind of complicates that for him because he was injured and he wasn't himself. So um, ultimately, I think a deal does get done. But 
there is some truth to running back value and maybe um, teams being hesitant to invest in that. And, and personally, I don't know if it's the money per se or the years. You know, it, I think the sweet spot would be somewhere like a three-year, 45, 42 million, something in that range. Because to me, if he's asking for a five-year deal, I'm probably not doing that for a running back. But a three-year deal and you're, you know, you're a free agent again when you're 27 – we have the chance to move on from you or re-sign you if you're still pretty good. That's a conversation to be had, but um, I would not, you know, pay him huge money over a long term because you just, you know, in this league, as great as running backs are, it matters what your quarterback is. And then usually if you get a great quarterback, you can kind of, you know, ragtag the running back room and, and make it work. So um, JT's a special player, though. I do know that. I do know that the Colts reward players. Um, homegrown players especially. So we'll see how it all shakes out. But it sounds like JT um, kind of put, you know, some people on notice like, hey, man, you know, I understand that I'm a team guy. But like any player, he wants to get paid and he feels like he deserves to get paid. And I'm glad I'm not in that position to kind of decide those things because, I mean, your heart tells you one thing, but your head tells you another. Hey, James, I kind of felt and I, I – read what you did and what you're talking about right here regarding his his response which was more pointed than it normally is and and my whole viewpoint was it is a reaction and a response to what has been going on in the nfl around him a little bit that's kind of how i felt it was yeah and i think that you feel that if you're in his position if you play the game at the highest level like him and you feel like you've done enough to be rewarded the one thing that does help JT is that I think he's a better player than Dalvin Cook, better player than Ezekiel Elliott, you know, at this stage of his career. And he's in that conversation with Saquon and Josh Jacobs. But, again, the thing that makes it kind of hard for him to gain leverage in the situation is because of the season he had last year was kind of injury-prone. Um, and then also, JT's not a huge third-down back. So if he's asking for that kind of money, as from the Colts' perspective, you're like, man, he's a special player, but – how much value do we put into a running back, number one? And number two, how much value do we put into a running back who isn't always out there on third down and isn't that much of a pass catcher, um, like a Christian McCaffrey, for example. And even he, you know, um, was injured after he got a huge extension. I think the Panthers kind of regretted paying him all that money. And when he goes to San Francisco, it's a different story. But for the Panthers, they were thinking, you know, good riddance. We can finally move on from this and save some money. So uh, a lot of moving parts, a lot of factors involved with it. But um, I don't blame JT for – sort of sticking up for himself and that running back position because every year that goes by, it seems like that position gets further and further devalued while the quarterbacks and the wide receivers continue to be up on the up and up. Is it fair to say, though, that the reason why his, his value may be higher within the Colts right now is because they have such an unestablished quarterback position? right now too does that up the value on this team considering what their quarterback value is in such an unknown right now bingo yes i think that you have to find a way to keep him on the roster i don't know if you franchise tag him but i think that you need to pair jonathan taylor with anthony richardson for at least the next three seasons as he develops because when you have to go into a football field and account for jonathan taylor that alleviates so much pressure off of Anthony Richardson and probably makes his life and transition to the NFL a lot easier. So I would expect them to definitely be weighing that as a factor because, again, the gap is huge. The leap is huge that Anthony Richardson has to take. 
And having a player who's already established, already a dominant force can definitely, you know, help alleviate some of that pressure and, um, you know, just sort of curve out or, or maybe lessen that uh, that learning curve that they are going to have to go under as far as being a rookie quarterback in the NFL. So I think JT and, and Anthony Richardson, there's going to be times when they line up together in this upcoming season, they're the best two athletes on the field. And if you have that, you got a shot. And so I would expect the Colts to really weigh that and want to keep that pair together um, and hope that it turns into something special in the years to come. Yeah, and this path has been taken because the Colts are doing it backwards. I mean, normally you you build the rest of the team around, you know, a fourth overall selection at quarterback that you're going to believe is the long-term future there. But instead, you're kind of putting him in with some already established going into extension personnel right now really on both sides of the football it's just kind of backwards compared to what normal teams do and I guess we'll see how it works out yeah I think you made a very good point just considering all they have to factor in as far as you know do we pay JT you know how do that develop Anthony Richardson and so I think overall these are decisions that um, come with the territory of having a team that was kind of built a little bit too early so to speak you know um I think that right now the focus should be on JT because it's more imminent and then obviously Anthony Richardson because he's the face of the franchise now. But questions have to be asked about the rest of the team and the timeline they're on. Like, for example, a guy like DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, who's going into a contract year. Um, you know, these are players you have to think about. Like, okay, Ryan Kelly, okay, how long do we keep these guys around? How much do they matter to what we're trying to do as far as showing – um, these young guys, how to be pros and the culture we're trying to build versus knowing that you're on a different timeline and a guy like DeForest Buckner and, and Grover Stewart, these guys might not fit what you're trying to do right now. They fit, you know, the team that you had in years past where you thought you were one quarterback away. You're not. I think last season showed that. And so they don't want to call it a rebuild. They haven't called it a re-anything, but there's going to have to be some redoing, some big redoing, I think, after this upcoming season especially once you see what you have with Anthony Richardson. Uh, James Boyd, before I let you go, uh, it's going to be a mystery and certainly until we see him play as to what level he's ever going to be able to reach. How much of a mystery is the timeline you were just talking about, but I'll bring it over to Shaquille Leonard. How much of a mystery is that going to be moving forward? Yeah, I'm not sure. It definitely is a mystery. Um Every update we've gotten, every time we've asked about it, is, you know, he's progressing. There's no timeline. And so I think if we come back in six weeks and he's not out there for training camp in any capacity, he's sort of just being a spectator like he was last season. And obviously what we've seen so far throughout this offseason, I think you have to get a little more worried about his progression and things that are going on. Last time we talked to him, I believe it might have been about a month ago, and, and Shaq said he you know, had hardly done any running yet and things like that. So you feel for the guy, and you also realize that from a team-building standpoint, if he isn't able to be the maniac, if he isn't able to be um, you know, out there sometime soon, how long do you, you know, stay attached to this and things like that? And yeah. I know um, he's doing everything in his power to work his way back. I think one of the things I always push back on with fans – criticize him or criticize others for being out is there's no guy who loves football more than Shaq. I'm not saying that as a cliche, but I mean, the guy really does love this. And so if he could be out there right now, he would. I do think he's being smarter this time around, not rushing himself back, but 
again, if we get into training camp, he's not ready to go, and then obviously we continue to go through training camp and he's still not out there, um, it's fair to ask that question of, one, is he going to be back out there? And if he is going to be back there out there at some point, can he be the dominant player that you paid him to be? So, um, you know, that's one thing that isn't at the forefront of our minds just yet, but it's going to become more and more of a thing if things do not uh, move into a more positive direction sometime over the next few months. Yeah, I think unfortunately what you're going to have is a quarterback that's that's not going to be ready for a you know, specific prime time when a lot of those around him that are getting paid handsomely are, and then once he's ready for that prime time, these guys are, I hate to say it, I hate to put it this way, are going to be uh, over the proverbial hill. You know what I mean? And that's that's kind of a backwards way to do things, and that's unfortunately the situation Chris Ballard and company are in right now. Absolutely, but I also think nothing else matters with the quarterback, not to be um, hyperbolic, but it's true. If you hit on Anthony Richardson yeah. and he becomes You're right. a star and he looks like a guy, you can kind of you know absolve yourself and forgive yourself for whatever missteps you might have had or not being on the exact right timeline because at that point, you know for yeah. a fact you have a guy and you can make more definitive decisions about the pieces you put around him. There's no doubt about that. That is the cure-all. The cure-all, and in fact, I mean, that's just a have-to. That is a have-to across this organization because I don't even think anybody wants to think about, in this case, what happens if it isn't. It is an absolute, James. There's no doubts about that for this organization <laughs> moving forward. So, hey, doing a great job in the midday, man. Um, it's good to get to know you a little bit. Good to have you on the show. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Get a little bit of rest, and, and we'll see if we can uh, seek out some uh, pickup basketball places <laughs> sometime down the road. All right? I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And um, like I said, it should be exciting from here on out, even without you know some things over the next few weeks, I'm sure, whatever Anthony Richardson tweets, drinks, if he makes it to another Walgreens and someone recognizes him, it'll be a thing. So it's pretty cool to cover a guy like that because you know all eyes are on him and it's kind of cool to see the start of it. No doubt about that, James. I appreciate you, man. All right, have a good one. That James Boyd of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. It is just backwards. And we'll see. And the point was made, and, and I get what you're saying about about Jonathan Taylor, but let's, I mean, honestly, that's going to be tough because it does not appear that these guys are going to be on the same timeline here. And you really roll the dice with an extension. And there was a reason why Jonathan Taylor was a little bit more pointed than usual regarding his comments. I, I He's an incredibly talented player. But the value of that position is just not there with the exception of the Colts right now where you have a quarterback situation that is not on solid footing. Now, granted, you're excited about where you believe it's going to go, but talking about in the now, it's not on solid footing, and you would think that you would need that veteran, talented type of running back to help out everything here. And certainly to start with, especially if that rookie quarterback that's played 13 games collegiately is under center. It just seems like it is a necessity, whereas with a lot of other teams, it simply would not be. Quick break, and we shall return. Greg Rakestraw, James Boyd, the podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Kevin Bowen, top of the hour. I'm going to take a break and come back with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Don't leave. The Ride with JMV. They call me Cuba Pete. I'm the king of a rumba beat. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. When I play the maracas, I go chick-chicky-boom, chick-chicky-boom. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Greg Rakestraw, James Boyd Podcast, 107.5thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live where Griff, Griff was on it. Well done, Griff. Thank you for listening. And thank you for the conversation inside the lounge via YouTube Live as well. You guys can jump in there and be a part of it. Uh, the tweets you can send as well, like Josh has sent out to me. If you're the Colts, you don't check that. If you're the Colts, don't you want to pair JT with Anthony Richardson for several years to come to have two ambient guys who can take the ball to the house at any point? This is what is so intriguing about pairing the two together. And Josh, while I don't disagree with what you say right there, I think the Colts are more than forced into it right now. I think they're forced into it right now just because if you don't have that established quarterback, you know, in a way, had he not been injured and they just didn't have awful quarterbacking a year ago, you know, that's yet another reason to lean on him. You know, the great season he had with Wentz, yet another reason to lean on him. He's just a necessity right now. Whereas Dalvin Cook, and I don't exactly know where the Vikings are going right now. It kind of seems like that they're ready to, to recheck that up. And I would have to think at some point with what he did a year ago and the success they had, in year number one with a new head coach with the Giants, that something's going to get worked out with Saquon Barkley. But at the same time, I, I can understand why Jonathan Taylor was, I don't want to say he was outspoken because that would be inaccurate, but he had more of a pointed voice about this than he normally does. Because you understand your situation and you also see what's going on around you. So while other teams will have a complete devalue still of that position, the Colts, because where they are at quarterback moving forward, would see that certainly as much more of a value. Plus, simply put, Chris Ballard believes in it. I like it or lump it. Yeah, he believes in it. So that is where that is. And James Boyd via... The podcast at 1075thefan.com. But no, Josh, that is a good comment regarding that. And no question about it. Uh, BT says letting Gilmore walk was a bad move. They basically let him go for a fifth rounder. And you kind of wonder, I would bet they would have done it anyway. But you do kind of wonder if they would have a change of heart knowing what they know today. Regarding that news on Isaiah Rogers. John Buzzard checks in with this. So JMV, Shannon Sharp left undisputed today after a theatrical, teary, emotional goodbye. 
Bob Kravitz dealt with his exit from the athletic by shooting the blank with you on the air after a round of golf and blew off a little bit of steam. But one was very much more staged than the other. Very real. Uh, Bob was incredibly real yesterday. And, and that's what happens. And that's what's going to happen to all of us doing this. I mean, at some point, you're going to go, all right, when is enough going to be enough? Like Greg Rakeshaw brought up Dave Pischer, who is the head coach baseball-wise and is just one of the greatest all-time to do it, not just in this state, but nationally coaching baseball. And and I mentioned to Greg, it kind of seems like that he's been coaching for like 100 years. And it's just been nothing but success. And you know, Greg had mentioned, you know, after this championship game, which certainly you'd probably hard target them as the favorites once again, that he plans on as long as he can, you know, he'll still hit a fungo and, you know, still throw some BP and, you know, can keep track of, of the diamonds and, you know, the groundskeeping abilities there that he is still going to continue to coach. And that part is great, but, you know, there are some points where you've gone and had as much success, for example, as Bob has had over 41 years, where you just kind of get tired of it all. So I can certainly understand that. I think a lot of you, no matter what you do, I think at some point you all will be able to relate to that. I say you all, we all will be able to relate to that. Because as you get a little bit older and it just doesn't matter as much to you as it once did, and then you know, you're watching a lot of life pass you by and a lot of life already pass you by, that you kind of want to slow it down a little bit. So, yeah, we'll all understand that one of these days when we get older. I thought Bob was really good in describing that yesterday. You know, where he is as far as that is concerned. Uh, this is from Block by Block. Hey, GMV, so I can't make it to the back nine for your golf outing. That's on July the 11th, by the way, 107.5thefan.com to sign up today. But doing the bucket list trip to Ireland for two weeks... I will donate, though. Block by block, thank you very much. I had mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, regarding our golf outing, it's going to be me and Jake and Kev. I mean, Jimmy Cook will be out there. Really, everybody from the fan will be out there. We will eat, we will drink, and for a great cause, we are going to play golf in our golf outing at back nine. And it is a spectacular facility, and I hopefully I get to play some music and get to rock the house a little bit. Whatever the case, doing it for a great cause. But I had mentioned earlier that you you need to have a really good excuse not to be with us on July the 11th. I mean, a really good excuse. Because this is going to be a blast. Let's face it. I mean, they're rarely rarely not a complete good time wherever I show up, wherever we go. Because I'm always in for a good time. I'm always in for the fun. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) <laughs> so what can it cut hey guys can i listen to that conversation going on there <laughs> hey 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 todd don't mind me i'm the goalie <laughs> huh oh i got it i got it buddy see sometimes i can't make like i tell you this like griff inside the lounge knows what i'm talking about right here <laughs> but yeah nobody else does nobody else does and that's a good thing that means that's a job well done. 
Sometimes the in-the-studio conversation off the mic is as good as the on-the-mic conversation or on-the-phone conversations with you. Hey, Bowen's going to join us at the top of the hour, and again, Kev's going to be a part of that along with Jake. Again, we're hoping for a Jake Query fireside chat, and I'm hoping to be able to do some music for that too. I mean, music, a band. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. (laughs) Music or a band, something. July the 11th, sign up for our golf outing today. Back nine, July the 11th, 1075thefan.com. Bowen, top of the hour, Jethro Tall tickets to give away. I didn't watch much hockey this year. Uh, It was NHL 95 all the way last night in that game five of the Stanley Cup final conclusion, won by Vegas. It was like me using the Chicago Blackhawks and NHL 95 with the offsides off. It was just goal after goal for the Golden Knights. Maybe that made it a little bit more fun. And by the way, Reds fans, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you still have time to soak it up. It's okay. Two and a half games back in the NL Central and two games under 500 with another matchup against the worst team in Major League Baseball now, the Kansas City Royals. By virtue of the A's now winning seven straight, the Royals are the worst team in Major League Baseball. Reds in Kansas City coming up later on tonight, I believe. Reds are in Houston this weekend. Houston has a myriad of injuries. I mean, to some frontline players, something I'm sure we'll talk about moving forward. Quick break and we shall return. I mentioned Kevin Bowen coming up at the top of the hour inside the lounge via YouTube Live, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Awesome! Totally awesome! All right, Hamilton. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, Greg Rakestraw's got a couple of games in the baseball championships down at Victory Field with the high schoolers on Friday. I'll be down there at Victory Field beginning at 3. I think uh, the lone local team in the action on Friday is uh, Covenant Christian. You have Ileana Christian and Covenant Christian at 5.30. And then the nightcap on Friday is the Crick, Silver Crick. And Andrean. That's at 8 o'clock. Greg has both of those games, and uh, I'll be down there too. So if anybody else is down there, slide by, and uh, we'll have a conversation again beginning at 3 o'clock from Victory Field. That's coming up on Friday. Saturday's games begin at 4.30. Lafayette Central Catholic and Bar Reeve, the pride of Montgomery, Indiana. Shout out to the Gastoff. If you've not been there, Stop by sometime and thank me later. Some people say it's not as good as it used to be. I don't know if that's just some people yip-yap, and maybe that's true. I'm not sure, but it's always been pretty solid to me regardless. The Gastolf. You know, obviously in southern Indiana, the favorite on my list is always going to be Schnitzelbank down in Jasper, but the Gastolf is right there too. The Gastolf in Montgomery. Red's place too. Check that. Red's Place used to be in Bargersville. This is a different place. I forget what this place was called. It's not even Red's Place in Bargersville anymore. Something Place. <laughs> right there off of US 50 in Montgomery. 
Uh, Bar Reeve in that first game with Lafayette Central Catholic on Saturday at 4.30. And Cinegrove and Penn. We have not found out, if anybody's willing to do the research, we have not found out. I asked Cal Nedenrip this yesterday, asked Greg this a little bit earlier, if we've ever seen the same school at the end of a season win both the softball title and the baseball title in the same year. It's curious about it. Uh, that is the nightcap on Saturday night at 8 o'clock, and that that should be a good one. Also covered this a little bit earlier. Jonathan Taylor, I need to take a break here, by the way. I got time to yep. I got a little bit of time here, don't I? Uh, Jonathan Taylor, we were talking about this with James Boyd a little bit earlier. Jonathan Taylor, a little bit more pointed today than we have heard him in the past, um, talking up his value. And now in terms of the latest news in the NFL, the Dalvin Cook release, and he's a free agent now. And Saquon Barkley, you know, not really knowing Brian Daybold and company what they're going to do right now with him, at least – saying outwardly and publicly they don't know what they're going to do. I would have to think that because of his production a year ago that he gets back there somehow, some way easily, right? Gets extended. But it is the the devaluing of the position. Now, what is different about Jonathan Taylor to me is this. He is going into a season with, again, an unestablished quarterback. And had he been healthy a year ago, certainly could have helped out the quarterback situation last year, which was dreadful. And the offensive line situation last year, that was dreadful. But his value his value gets higher with this group because there is still such a massive unknown at the quarterback position moving forward. And I'm not at all suggesting that that's a downer. But that's what you have to go through to find that long-term quarterback of the future, or that's what you're going to have to do to be patient regarding the fourth overall selection in Anthony Richardson. So does that raise the value of this running back position in Jonathan Taylor because of the the inexperience with Anthony Richardson and the backup nature that's Gardner Menchu. It will. Now, there's also a role in this. This is yet another belief of Chris Ballard, and this is yet beyond his belief in 28, his belief in re-signing and bringing back his own. That has been what Ballard has done. Now, it's not like what Ballard has done has worked to this point, but I would expect that philosophy to further hold true as far as Jonathan Taylor is concerned. And to me, it doesn't even have to be about his philosophy on bringing back his own, bringing back his own that he drafts. This is also because of the unknown, the inexperience at quarterback and production you're going to have to find someplace and production you hope to get with a healthy Jonathan Taylor moving forward. So that's what's going to make this different than a lot of the other normal ways that NFL teams deal with extensions for running backs.
Talk to Kevin Bowen about that coming up at the top of the hour. That, and we are now just a little bit over a week away from the NBA draft. Number seven overall for the Pacers. We'll dive into that. The Pacers offseason and a lot more with Kevin Bowen coming up at the top of the hour. 93-5107-5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. You're going to eat your fat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Rakestra. James Boyd podcast 1075thefan.com Friday victory field for me hope to see you there beginning at 3 o'clock yeah JMV takeover Saturday night I'm going to take a couple of days off Monday and Tuesday of next week normally I just wait to the last minute then Todd Meyer comes in and yells at me when I late to the last minute so I got a little bit ahead of the game on this one and uh, I'll be back with you on Wednesday yeah we got some stuff coming up too we know we have a tavern tour stop Every month, right? But did you know the Tavern Tour stop this month is going to be at Irea's? Are you kidding me? What a great setup. Shout out to Brent Halverson of Heaven Hill Distillery, our betting analyst. But yes, later on this month, Irea's. Shout out to Dom and the gang over there. That's going to be fantastic. I love Irea's. You know what I love? I love, and that's how, like, the tavern tour stop is is about the taverns and the dives. You know, what you want to call a hole in the wall. And a lot of these places are old. And I don't know about you, I love the cloudy kind of glass block that you have built in some of these old buildings. I know they have that at Irea's. I believe I was coming from Plainfield earlier today, and I think they still have that right at the checkered flag. That's been around since 1947. We did a tavern tour stop there last June. But I love that. What a great look. Irea's, by the way, once upon a time, the late, great Rick Majerus took me to Irea's when he was the college basketball analyst for my show over on WNDE. And I have never, ever seen anything like it. It was incredible. I'm talking about a great time, but just incredible. It was great. Rick Majerus was great. Rick Majerus was such a great, a weekly guest to break down college basketball. Spectacular. But Irea's for a tavern tour stop coming up in the month of June. Got a lot more for you as well. And, and we're talking about, too, the backyard stuff. You guys get ready. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier, too, we have a golf outing coming up July the 11th at back nine. This is going to be spectacular. You have to come up with a really good reason why you cannot attend. Great cause and also a part of it, Jake Query. Uh, Middayers, of course, Jimmy Cook, I'm sure, will be out there. And I don't know who's going to be on with him that day, but whatever. All of our fan staff will be out there along with our guest right now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, Kevin Bowen. Have you been to the back nine before, Kev? I have. Uh, awesome, awesome yes. place. I um, actually went over there for lunch. It's probably about a month, month and a half ago. Just to check it out and 
not to like compare it to you know any other uh, competitors of theirs, but I, I find it much more like entertainment, bring the crew, bring the crowd, and less like golf centric, which right. I think is great. I, I, I think that's kind of the appeal that you're going for. I mean, obviously you have the fun of, of what the golf thing is there. And as someone like me, I love that, but I also enjoy venues like that for just having a drink, watching a game, multitasking, talking with friends. Seeing a band. They got they got a stage. You can have a band out there too. You can do a yeah. lot of things. Plus, by the way, yeah, I don't know where did you play when you were there? I did not play, no. I just got lunch, actually. Well, when you play there, I, I did back in January, and it was awesome. It was warm and everything else, but we played on level three right there in the middle. And when you're hitting that thing toward downtown with that as the backdrop, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, it is an awesome view. I, I, I walk out there just to kind of look at look at the bays and everything, uh, and that was a really cool view. You know it was a big back nine fan i was talking with him earlier today that would be the one and only matt taylor is he really who is also not a big golf guy by any means but he uh yeah he loved it he's like dude every time i've been it's been packed it's been great entertainment so i'm really looking forward to it july 11th um i know you've been plugging it so that's tuesday um we'll be out there like you said Noon to three and then i know you've got a big role from an auction standpoint and you'll be out there bright and early as well so I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, Jake and I don't get an opportunity to do a whole lot of remote shows, but when we do, um, it's definitely some of our favorites. So I cannot wait for that. I have, I don't know if anybody's offered this, but I want to put this on the auction block, and I feel confident that, that Jake will be okay with it. I didn't tell I talked to him earlier today, and I didn't tell him this when I was talking to him, but I think we need some sort of, you know, coming up in the, the late summer, early fall, uh, we need to offer up Jake for a fireside chat for the highest bidder. Like at somebody's, you know, bonfire, somebody's fire pit. Well, a fireside chat with Jake Query needs to be something that you can bid on. Would you agree? I would agree. I would maybe alter the title instead of fireside chat, maybe just fireside listen. Because I, I don't know how much back and forth it'll be there. <laughs> I think I don't know if that's on the list, but if it's not on the list, I think it should be. Right there. Yeah, no, that is uh that is outstanding. Open up that encyclopedia of a brain and let it and let it go to work. Yeah, I, I think that's a terrific idea. Let it flood right there too. So again, July the eleventh, sign up today and again, you're gonna have to come up with a pretty damn good excuse not to be there a part of a foursome or whatever with us because it is going to be a fantastic time on july the 11th sign up at 107.5thefan.com right now it's kevin bowen of the morning show with us so yesterday was jim ursay's birthday if you're handing out a gift what would it be oh gosh for the man well, who has everything, well, not everything right now, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the everything is a work in progress, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. I, I, well, when you first asked that, you certainly caught me off guard. A couple things popped in my head. Yeah. One was Andrew Luck. Um, one was an AFC South banner. And then the last thing was you grant him a musical act in next year's Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. about that? What do you think it would take? How about, how, about, how about if he ever gets in a, a photograph with John Mellencamp and Mellencamp would crack a smile? Would that be a good gift? What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Is that impossible? Can Mellencamp just – and I love Mellencamp, but my God, dude, just crack a smile. Like, have some fun every now and then. 
Yeah, the old um, – I feel like it hasn't been a couple of years – it's been a, at least a couple of years since he's been at either IU games that they've shown him on. But when they've shown him, you know, underneath the scoreboard in his old seats, I'm always thinking to myself, man, he, he looks like Bob Knight from the sidelines. <laughs> uh, he just looks – It looked like Belichick, honestly. What was it? They were in New York – was it last weekend when they were in New York doing a show? And, and you know, Mellencamp's there. It's like Mellencamp and uh, – and, uh, Mike Wanchick, who's the longtime Mellencamp collaborator basically since the mid-70s when when John got started. And, and believe me, take nothing away, I love Mellencamp, and I've always loved his music. I've always loved the way that he has offered up different ways to approach it. He's never really settled on one thing. I mean, he has expanded his game. He is just an incredible, one of the greatest to ever do it, musically speaking. But the man is just too damn salty. I just wish he would chill once. Could he just not chill? Yeah, I did think in that picture there might have been a small, small crack of a smile. But boy, that and that hair. I mean, that. <laughs> I dig the hair. I'd be all about the yeah. hair. But I just want, yeah, I want to know that he's having some fun. It's almost like, oh hell, I got to, I got to be here. <laughs> Wait a minute. I mean, it's great to be there. You're melon camp. Whereas Ursay smiles literally looked like a kid on Christmas morning. Oh, yes, it looked like, I mean, it looked like looked you good. when you just opened up a box that had some kind of Notre Dame helmet in it or something. <laughs> literally, I looked like me when I found out Michael Shrewsbury was higher. Yeah, um, yeah that's perfect. I honestly think, like, if you asked Ursay, I mean, lie detector to the whole thing, let's say pre-Anthony Richardson draft pick, and you told him, you can have a call with Andrew Luck to try and talk him back into playing, and Andrew would listen. Or you can play a next year's Super Bowl. I'm thinking he might play a next year's Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I it's um yeah, Kev. It uh it, it's something right there. It is. Yeah, I just uh he's got he has a lot of fun. I'll give him that. But yeah. Yeah, the ultimate is, and he's got a lot of backing up to do because he has made a lot of promises. Uh, to those Colts fans out there that have uh, uh, gone uh, undelivered to this point, and now you ask them to to wait a little bit, Kev. I didn't want to ask you this, you know, considering the injury today, considering they've cut mandatory minicamp short by a day, uh, they've canceled tomorrow. Um, considering the situation of Isaiah Rogers, no doubt about that. Do you believe that they would reconsider now? Do they still feel good about trading Stephon Gilmore? Or had they known what they know now, would they have held on? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, would, would you get a fifth-round pick? I mean, hell, the pick you might have gotten for Stephon Gilmore might have been Daniel Scott, who you know had the torn ACL and, and, and is now out for the year, the safety out of Cal. Um, I, I still think that was a lot more mutual than it was ever made out to be and potentially even a request from Gilmore on that end. Um, so, I, I, you know, part of me kind of looked at it and said, okay, financially, are they also trying to alleviate some room there? Now, obviously, fast forward to June 14th, and they haven't really spent much on the cap space. Of course, you know, maybe we can get into the Jonathan Taylor chat from today and or Michael Pittman. Is any of that cap space used there? And I, I'm rather content with the youth movement. I mean, I think Gilmore was a really, really good player for you and was vital in you winning any games last season. Um, so that is a loss. But, you know, if you're going to make that commitment to kind of turn over the leaf and you know Gilmore's over only playing probably one more year for you, uh, it's not like you're talking about him multiple years down the road. And I think defensively, 
you know, it, when you're talking about supporting Richardson, I still think the veteran market needs to be explored offensively. Agreed. But defensively, I would say I'm rather content. I mean, there, there will be growing pains. Granted, if you let them go up against this Colts passing offense right now, you, you won't find many growing pains, at least in practice. But obviously there, there, there will be some this season. But, you know, if it pays off down the road to where Dallas Flowers gets all this time and Juju Brents gets all this time, then it could work. It is wild, though, to look at the entire cornerback depth chart from last year and just see how much it has turned over from one year to the next. See, I would I would suggest that what they would have a change of heart. Now, I, I agree with you about it being mutual, but I, I do, while you want them to grow, and that's great because that's all we ever talk about is growth and what's going to be down the road, which wears me absolutely out, but I do, Kev, want them to compete and I don't want to know that, you know, you're kind of half-assing a search for somebody in that secondary because you're intent on growth of others. I also want to know that you're you're competing. So I would like to think that even in that case, even with the elder statesmanship of a Stephon Gilmore and certainly not a, a playoff-worthy type of team, that maybe they would have reconsidered had they known what they know now. Yeah, and that's and that's fair. And I know there's certainly people that that view it in that in that light. Um, you know, I, I thought John, you know, mid October last year when things were going the way that that they were, um, and I kind of forget if you had, I think you had fired Reich right after the trade deadline, if I'm not mistaken. But I mean, I thought Gilmore got to the point where even last year when all the dysfunction was starting to bubble, you know, if I were him, I think he's kind of earned the right as a pro to walk in there and say to Chris Howard, "Hey, man." This is not going in the right direction. Can we find some desperate team? You guys get a little bit in return, and you know both parties can be happy. I, I don't think it was worth necessarily keeping Gilmore for the next two months just to go just to go down that path. Uh, but you know, I, you know, it's probably honestly where you and I differ a little bit in that when it's looking bad, you know, getting rid of a guy that has one year left to me is not the end of the world. I totally understand that you know people don't enjoy watching four and twelve, four and thirteen, et cetera. Um, but in, in Gilmore's case, I think from both sides of it, uh, I think it was a lot more player-driven than became yeah, public. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree with that, too. It's, uh, Kevin Bowen, the morning show, with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So I, I guess more pointed comments from Jonathan Taylor than what you normally get where there's not a lot. I mean, certainly he says a lot. He answers questions, but there's not a lot to take away from it. Was that because obviously his extension, which he wants further down the road and justifying within this team. And again, saying that and being loud with that right now, or as loud as he can be, because of what you see going on around you, like what you see with Dalvin Cook, what you see Saquon Barkley going through right now. You're trying to you know, justify even more what you believe your value is and what you should be paid in an extension with this team. Is that what we heard today? Yeah, I thought it was pretty un-Taylor-like, and I think that's an important thing to point out. Jonathan Taylor is not Eric Ebron in front of a mic. Um, I would say he's rather vanilla, nothing against him. He just doesn't choose to really be super expansive or super controversial um, when when he talks to the to the media. And again, I got you know no issue with that. Um, but today it looked like the new agent had given him some pretty clear talking points and how he was going to handle those questions. Um, he mentioned you see why guys request trades, you know, talking about some of the other running backs around the NFL. Um, 
you know, he brought up the past precedent of Chris Ballard several times and mentioning that if guys perform for this franchise and also do the right things in the community, which I, I don't think anyone can – we can argue the position Taylor plays. That's a totally fine argument. I think it's a huge argument. That's honestly in the Colts' leverage here. But there is no denying that dude is overexceeded where he got drafted, and he is pristine when you're talking about off the field. So uh, he, he certainly has a legit argument in saying, hey, look at what they did to Darius Leonard, now Shaquille. Look what they did to Braden Smith. You know, look what they did with Naheem Hines. You know, draft picks that exceeded their performance, they got these extensions heading into the final year of his contract. Now, again, I have no issue with the Colts pushing back and having some hesitancy and wanting to have, you know, a, a rather probably intense back and forth on this. Um, welcome to running backs. It's probably honestly a reason why you don't draft running backs as high as they, they did because you get to this point very young. I mean, we're talking about a 24-year-old running back where there are questions about what you should do with him from a contractual standpoint. And if he played you know, numerous other positions, you wouldn't even think twice about giving him the type of contract that he likely deserves. Um, I also saw Stephen Older alerted, of his, alerted us of this. Uh, Taylor had liked Steven's tweet um, from earlier today, uh, I think Steven just mentioned, you know, something about Taylor's quote of, you see who, you see why guys request trades, and it was a link to, um, to Steven's story, and it wasn't even like he tagged Taylor in said story or in said tweet. So it's about as close to, like, again, Eric Ebron as you're going to get from a guy like Jonathan Taylor. And I just think it's a fascinating contract negotiation for the Colts. I think the Colts love Taylor. They love him a lot. But, I mean, Dalvin Cook, Minnesota's bailing on him two years to go on a five-year extension. And Saquon Barkley, we'll see what the extension looks like. And we're talking about the second overall pick in Barkley, who was a huge reason why they just led the Giants to the postseason this past year. And there's questions there. And, you know, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, it's just a a position that – has heavy, heavy scrutiny right now and how you pay it. And I get it and I understand it, but I also can see Taylor's um, side of it. And I'll be very curious to see how all of it's going to play out. I Two things that occur to me, Kev, with that in mind. One is certainly, you know, the, the quarterback situation, you know, either going, you know, with the growth uh, and the inexperience or, you know, the backup variety. Uh, you, you're still talking about a, a quarterback situation that uh, has a long way to go, and and obviously you would want the help of a runner in that situation, a former productive runner in that situation. Plus, I can just get around never at this point, Kev, the fact that Chris Ballard still believes in that, like he believes in a lot of things that you and I don't necessarily believe in, in terms of constructing ultimately a championship-worthy type of team. And thus, with that belief, which I don't think his beliefs, even with not living up to any expectations so far through those first six or so years here, I don't think those beliefs have changed that much, and certainly not in the case of Jonathan Taylor. No, I you know, the, the ankle injury happened last year. It clearly has sidelined him for the entire offseason program. He said today it's a goal to start training camp. So, you know, I don't – that's not an ACL. It's not an Achilles. Like, I don't think that's enough to, you know, be like, oh, my gosh, injury red flag. I and mean, this guy's been so durable throughout his career. Granted, you know, maybe there's a seed of doubt of, hey, is the wear and tear from all the carries he had at Wisconsin, is that starting 
to show up and what do the next three to four years look like? My thing with Taylor is this. I, I would let him play out the rookie contract. I'd probably slap the franchise tag on him then next offseason. I get that that's not going to appease him, uh, but I would still think it will create a hunger in him to try and get to that second contract whenever it is. But again, this is my opinion. I don't think the Colts are going to do this. And then you get you know two years into the Richardson experiment and you kind of reevaluate things of where you're at. You know, maybe you've drafted a running back in the fourth or fifth round in between, you know, now and, and, and then and okay, that guy you you feel like can you know, be a little bit more of a bell cow for you. My thing is I would not want to tie a, a five year length onto a contract, even though Taylor has some attributes that you're like, he could be the outlier. He could be the difference. Uh, or, or, or the you know unique case study, if you will, of, of all these running backs in present-day NFL, I just don't think you want to tie yourself up that deep into it. Having said all of that, I totally can hear people that are saying, well, it's not like Ballard spent the money on anything else. Might as well spend it on Taylor. Might as well spend it on Michael Pittman. Um, and that's certainly true. I mean, they've got a bunch of cap space that they haven't used, that they could easily just extend Taylor, front load that right now, and it's not like they're paying Anthony Richardson anytime soon. It's not like they're paying Bernard Ryman anytime soon, Quiddy Pay. So, uh, you know, when you talk about the premium positions, um, you could go there. So, again, Taylor's going to help out Richardson a lot. I think they will eventually get to common ground, and, and I don't expect this to be too big of an issue and, you know, Taylor to all of a sudden walk at the end of next season by any means, but I think it just kind of goes back to, you know, don't draft running backs in the first three rounds because there is this question on the value that they bring to you and the shelf life that they bring you. To me, if you're drafting dudes rounds one, two, three, your goal is that's a seven to nine year player for you, if not longer. And with running backs, again, you're seeing a Dalvin Cook. You just see teams that just want to bail on guys a little bit earlier for uh, a lot of reasons. Does the uh, recent extensions and the disappointment that has come along with some of those in this case here play any role with how they handle this? You mean like now, the extensions they've handed they've handed out that haven't worked to this point, and we can you know go over some of those or still like maybe Leonard better Nelson. yeah maybe maybe better yeah. said Kev still are within question as to they're going to work. Should that play a role? Yeah. You know, and the fact that Taylor brought him up on several occasions. Now, he didn't single the guys out, but he made it clear. I mean, this franchise has past precedent when, you know, players exceed their rookie contracts. They yeah. get rewarded for that. Um, I think it definitely plays a role. I, I would assume that is a bargaining chip or however you want to call it, um, something that his team is going to bring up in these back back and forth. And, again, he did change agents. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it is Shaquille Leonard's agent he's now with. Here recently, you would assume that that is, again, to you know try and kind of prove where you're at from a value standpoint with all of those things. So, um, you know, Pittman is, is is one that I could – there's part of me that thinks, boy, would Michael Pittman want to, you know, kind of show out in, in a contract year and see what that looks like. But, you know, with Leonard, with Braden Smith, with Quentin Nelson, even with Naheem Hines, I think when you and I have these conversations, John, in mid-June with all of them, over the last few years, I think we all kind of sat here and thought, yeah, these will get done before the start of the season. With Taylor and Pittman, I think the Colts really like them, want them to be here, but you can make strong arguments on both sides of the ledger for how you would handle those contracts. So 
these are ones that, again, I, I don't think the interest is lacking. I don't think this is like a Yannick Ngakwe where it's like, yeah, we're good. No, I think that they definitely want them to be Colts for a long time. But given the positions they play and how, you know, it's different, but how interesting those two markets have been at running back and receiver, again, I, I'm fascinated to see how they play out. So Grady Dick's coming in tomorrow to work out for the Pacers. How much level of interest do you think they actually have if he is available, which I think he will be at number seven overall? I don't think it's that high, do you? Yeah, I would hope zero interest at seven. I, I am curious, like, do they view him and think, hey, if he starts falling, is this a guy we could package some picks, package a player, potentially get back in the late lottery? And you know, here's a six eight wing that can shoot the hell out of it and, you know, six eight wings that can shoot it like that are always gonna have some sort of place in the NBA. Uh, that is probably where more of my interest is on him. Because I think that is something that like we're obviously very locked in on what happens at, at seven, but again, you have these three picks in twenty six, twenty nine, and thirty two. Like how are you gonna handle that? Are you going to package them together and try and move up? Or are you gonna sit there and throw a dart or two at the Andrew Nemhard area from last year? Or are you going to try and trade for a veteran, trade for a future pick? That's where I, I don't I, – I think I have a decent understanding of what they're going to do at seven. I, I mean, I'm pretty – like, unless the board really looks like something different than it's, what it's, I think It's Jerase Walker, right, at number seven, if he's there, correct? Yeah, i go Walker one, and I'd probably put Hendricks, Taylor Hendricks out of Central Florida second. Um, those would be the two that, that I would look at most closely again I, I me personally i'd give the side edge to walker as well uh, but i do think Hendricks has some intriguing traits about him that would fit what the pacers have but yeah grady dick at seven no way but I, i'm not this one that's like and i don't know maybe we're just you know we just have the stigma here of like don't draft the somewhat tall white dude in indiana because you know whatever because the track record hasn't worked out with a Hansborough or a Plumley or a Leaf, but I actually uh, do think Grady Dick can be a really nice piece for you, and I would think with a kind of Halliburton, Matherin, yeah, okay, I can, I can see, you know, maybe you're thinking life after Buddy Heald down the road. you, you got to have some shooting to continue to space the floor, but I, I defensively matters more than that with, with the pick at seven, and yeah. especially rebounding and getting that, that ideal forward position. Walker just seems like more so than anything else for this Pacer team, he translates to multi-needs that they, in this case, need they need to evolve sooner rather than later. So that's why that makes more more sense to me. The type of player he's described to be, what he, he showed certainly in Houston, knowing that there was a heavy concentration in defense at Houston. Uh, he looks like, um, as far as his build, you know, he looks ready to go. It looks like he, again, could evolve quicker to what they need. And it's it's a no-brainer for me at seven if that's the availability. Yeah, I mean, he certainly checks defensive versatility, rebounding. I mean, to your point, he, he looks like a grown man at 19 years old. Uh, he was outstanding rebounding, blocking shots wise in the tournament. You know, that kind of stood out to me. You know, at Houston, he wasn't really asked to do a whole lot offensively. Like, he still found ways to score. But, you know, they were so guard dominant. Like, they didn't really need or, you know, even maybe want him to do a whole lot offensively. So, I do think there's like, okay, he's 19. Could he grow into more on the offensive end of the floor? Yeah, I brought up Taylor Hendricks. Hendricks is probably the better just, like, pure shooter of the two. But, again, I'm kind of curious, could Walker grow into a little bit more offensively, whereas 
do you look at Hendricks and say, yeah, that dude was on a really bad team. Yeah, I mean, his efficiency was good, but, you know, someone's got to score on a bad team like that. So, um, yeah, Walker would be where I would I would kind of side. All right, before I let you go, um, we're excited about the Reds right now. It may be short-lived, but we're Reds fans, and we know that to be true. So you kind of have to soak up what you're able to soak up at that moment. And I'm assuming you are as well as I am right now, being two and a half games back. Of uh, the central top spot here uh, this late, as I kind of say that laughing, in June. That said, we're soaking it up. And I saw this from the Big Red Machine via a tweet a little bit earlier. If you could have dinner with three former Cincinnati Reds, you know, players, managers, broadcasters, who would it be? Oh, boy, that's a great one. Um, Marty Brenneman would probably be one. Great. Um, Brenneman's great. Let's go Marty Brenneman. Let's go Griffey. I mean, Griffey was always my, my, my favorite growing up. Right. Um, you would probably answer this better than I, but would Sparky Anderson oh, be worth a I mean, If you could, oh, my goodness, yes. Because you could talk yeah, about yeah. that. You could talk about his appearance on WKRP in Cincinnati. One of the all-time greats right there, television-wise. There's a lot you can do with Sparky. Yes. Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll go those three. Good so call on Sparky three. Anderson. That's a good one out of you right there. Well done. You know, I was I was one in, in ninety when they won it all. So obviously, I don't have yeah. any memories whatsoever of it. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like okay, let's go a little broadcast, go a little oh, manager. That's good. And, and let's and let's go with who my favorite you know baseball player was growing up. Now that's good because of the big red machine guys. I have I've talked to Rose multiple times, Bench multiple times, the late Joe Morgan a couple of different times, George Foster, Tony Perez. Um I've talked to those guys on the shows before. I've talked to uh, you know Bonnie Brenneman a couple of different times. But here's my angle and you mentioned that wire to wire team of 1990. I think I would say and I've talked to two of the three but I think I would sit down and converse with the Nasty Boys. Norm Charlton, mm. Rob Dibble, and Randall Kirk Myers. Now, the only one I haven't talked to before on the show is Randy Myers. Charlton's been on before, Dibble and, on? and Dibble has been on before. Charlton was awesome, absolutely awesome years ago. I just I think they would provide more entertainment than you could imagine together. So those would be my three right there. Yeah, I like that. I mean, honestly, you could go a lot of different directions with that answer. That's such a great question. Um, and, and, you know, I am just kind of interested a little, get a little bit more into the Ellie De La Cruz as, as a person because the talent is absurd. It's it, it's a video game. Um, you know, you don't yeah. say it very often about baseball players. Like, literally, you are, you know, non-pitchers, like you're walking in. Right. To the stadium, they are worth the price of admission, and he is certainly that. I mean, I had major intrigue when the bats were playing here, um, when he was playing down in Louisville. Like, oh, yeah, I got to go watch him at that victory field. So it is rare, John, to say exciting time here in recent memory for a Reds fan, but it's certainly – it's almost like the NL Central looks in reverse right now. I'm used to it, like, like flip it upside down and seeing St. Louis at the bottom – might honestly make me more excited than seeing the Reds. It's hilarious is what it is. I love saying the last place St. Louis Cardinals. That makes me excited <laughs> right there. I love it. Hey, by the way, I had Tommy Thrall on on Monday, and I, I compared De La Cruz, and, and not as players and what they do as players, but just as you mentioned him as a video game type of player. I compared him to Bo Jackson 
because what what he does and what Bo Jackson did, really in anything, both baseball and football, but certainly baseball as well, what he did just looked so natural and easy. What is just elite level difficult for everybody else to me looks easy to them. And I thought De La Cruz and Bo Jackson, that's who I compared them to. Yeah, that that's a good one. I mean, again, Bo, I'm showing my age here a little yeah. bit, you know, a little bit prior to my time, but obviously Jake's love for Bo Jackson is through yep. the roof yep. and, and he just is gushing about him. And yeah, that is probably a good one. I mean, I know it's not the same sport, but I kind of always felt that way about watching like Adrian Peterson in football. Like there was just like a glide and an ease to their presence and their style on the field. That was just different. It just, I'm like, that guy just has traits that not a lot of people have. And in Cruz's case, which is different than an Otani or a Trout, is he just has that speed element where if he just puts the ball in play, he's yeah. immediately putting pressure. And then he has the power and he has the field in it and he has the arm to go with it. No doubt. Kevin Bowen, the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. And again, sign up for our golf outing, Back 9, coming up July the 11th at, uh, again, Back 9, 1075thefan.com. It is going to be eat, drink, and play type of party. It is going to be spectacular. Kev will be there, and we'll hopefully get to auction off a fireside chat with Jake Query <laughs> to a lucky person coming up there on that Tuesday. Yeah, fireside listen. Yeah. Listen fireside. Maybe, uh, yeah. Yeah, fireside. Maybe occasional chat. <laughs> maybe I'll get a breath in a time or two. And that's about <laughs> it right there with Jake. All right, brother. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. John, have a great week. You too. Kevin Bowen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Way over with that conversation. Quick break and we'll come back. Jethro toll tickets before we bail. 93-5107 by the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. I don't understand the words you just said. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Well, we got a nice, officially, not as of yet, but getting close, summertime day going on out there today. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I think anything we haven't really seen, nor I noticed this earlier today, uh, before I left, I was watching uh, King Richard. I believe that Will Smith won an Academy Award. Did he win the Academy Award when he uh, slept Chris Rock? Uh, yes, he did. That's what it was? <laughs> so I was watching that, and I was thinking how not in the spotlight whatsoever any longer Will Smith is. I mean, it's almost like you don't even hear that much anymore, and, and that's normally a summertime, a warm weather, sun is out stable. You don't even hear that much anymore. All because of that night in Southern California at the Academy Awards. Weird. Oh, shout out to Jeff Passan for this little nugget via Twitter. As mediocre as the Mets and Padres have been this season, no team comes close to the St. Louis Cardinals. In terms of downright disappointment, they're a disaster. 
five straight losses. 27 and 42, the worst in the National League, better than only Oakland and Kansas City. That's too bad. Too bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I'm talking to a lot of Cardinal fans out there. And I know, I know the Reds, the team that I root for, normally stink. But I do, that makes me feel good. I don't know, Gritty. Heather Locklear over Heather Thomas. Yeah, t- 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 I'll have to do the math on that really quick. Hold on. <laughs> Gritty. I don't know. That's tough math. <clears throat> That's what I call, or we used to call before computers and such, a significant longhand right there. Locklear over Heather Thomas. I mean, it's. It's a tight, tight race. Oh, thank you, Gritty, for that. JMV, WKRP in Cincinnati. By the way, Kev coming up with the uh, Sparky Anderson's legit. That is really good. No doubt. Um, Yeah, I don't know if Jake Query doing a fireside chat with you guys is on the auction block. For a golf outing at back nine, July the 11th. Uh, if it is not, I think it should be. You guys agree? I think it should be. All right, 239 Let's start with Kent today. Kent, swing on in here and talk it up. What's up? One of the persons you need to talk to from the Cincinnati Reds was you were just born, Hal Michaels. Oh, there's no doubt about that, too. I was just thinking about it in terms of, again, you get three dudes that were a part of just one of the the greatest trio in a bullpen that we have ever seen. Um, and it, uh, it was an amazing time with that team. But to me, having a talk with Dibble and Charlton and Myers and certainly knowing their personalities collectively, Kent would have been an absolute blast. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I've – Definitely, because that's I was a Reds fan back. Well, even before. Well, I really turned into one really when uh, Al Michaels also was in there too doing the radio play by. Well, and doing this job for me, it's like I, I'd mentioned the the former Big Red Machine players that I've talked to, and and, and again, you know, my favorite all time is right up there um, with guys like Joe Morgan and Johnny Bench and Pete Rose. Eric mm-hmm. Davis is right there as well. So I mean, Eric Davis, and I've had Eric Davis on the show before. Um, a lot of those wire to wire guys have been on. Glenn Braggs has been on the show. To before I mentioned Dibble has been on here Charlton's been on here before uh, I think Billy Hatcher's been on this show before so I, uh, it's uh, incredibly enjoyable I just thought of something a little bit off the board with those three right there yeah. to answer that question yeah I got one more thing for you about Al Michaels sure before, before he started broadcasting yep he worked for Chuck Barris production trying oh. to line up women for the dating well game. let me tell you this Chuck Barris would be on a list too, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Chuck well, Barris would be now. on a list. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, well, so Sparky Anderson. I mean, some of yeah. these guys, Joe Morgan, unfortunately, no longer with us. So, yeah, no doubt about that. But Chuck Barris with any type of that'd be high on my list. Yes. Definitely. All right. Kent, you call anytime. Thank you. John is up next at 239 1070. John, welcome to the show. JMV, thanks for having me. Good to see you at the basketball gym last weekend. The best. Asking our daughters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
That that was me cleaning up the massive water spill on our bench. That was you, John. Oh, that was it. That was it. Tecumseh Middle School in Lafayette, next to Lafayette Jeff. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Okay, um, so we 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 didn't have that great of a morning. <laughs> we didn't either. <laughs> so, John. Yes. I got to tell you this. Okay. I, we got to address your hatred of the Cardinals. I'll I tell you can't a help it. Story. I was at the game where Ken Griffey Jr. hit his 500th home run. His dad was there. And Cardinal Nation, all 50,000 of the Sea of Red, gave him a standing ovation, a lengthy standing ovation, because that's the love. But we they should, though. I mean, like, like any, any, right? Wouldn't any fan base do that for Ken Griffey Jr.? There's something special about Cardinal <laughs> Nation, and you know it, and Query knows it, and Bowen knows it. I have always hated him. You know, and, and here's part of the reason for me. Because growing up, I grow up in, you know, southwestern Indiana, John. Yep. And yep. there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, numb nuttery kind of Cardinal fans down there. So they're just they're just oh, they would they would rather drive, you know, I seventy or sixty four over to St. Louis to watch the Cardinals at Bush Stadium than drive US yep. fifty and go to a Reds game and then go to Kings Island. I've never understood why they'd rather do that, but they would. And I, I have so hated the nineteen eighty two Cardinals with such a passion. <laughs> <laughs> so, like Tom Her, I mean, I was I was twelve years old and would love to have punched Tom Her in the face. I Always. understand. How about, how about this name for an all-time favorite Red, Jose Rio? I love Jose Rio. Jose love Rio. Rio, incredible in the wire to wire, what he put together, especially at the end. Well done, Jay John. It was great to see you in Lafayette, man. Here's the better I'll days for the girls. And by the way, are you guys still playing? We're done with this session of uh, AAU. How's, how's number eight's jumper? Number eight's getting number eight's working on it here. She's working on it. Okay. So if you have get a hold of me if you guys go out anywhere and want to play, and we'll get uh, we'll get number eight with you guys and play a little bit. That'd be awesome. Thanks for taking my call, friend. John, anytime. Thank you. Anybody's got? I tell you, I put number eight on a squad right now. If you got anything, because I don't know if we're doing anything right now. Which is both good and bad, I guess. But yeah, if you guys, somebody out there's got a uh, little seventh grade squad, want to throw, I should say, going to eighth grade squad, want to throw number eight on there. We'll do it. Get some run in. Yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't do Tom Her. Yeah, Joaquin Andujar. That I'm looking at uh, the 1982 card. I I could not stand him. I I was. I could not stand Waddy Herzog. Could not stand him. Wasn't a big Pendleton fan, Vince Coleman fan. George Hendrick. I didn't like Willie McGee. Lonnie Smith. Naming names here. Oh, Ken Obrick fell. Come on. I did like, and I think everybody did. I don't know if Ozzie Smith had anybody out there that didn't like Ozzie Smith. I did like Ozzie Smith. Who am I thinking of right here? Um, I'm sorry. I got to think of one more Cardinal. (laughs) Sorry about that. There's one more Cardinal that I really can't stand. I'm going to think who I'm thinking of right here. Hold on a second. Before we hit a break, let me think who I'm thinking of right now. All right. Before we hit a break, we shall do. Oh, yes. Yes. Remember when John Tudor punched the fan? I think it was with his left hand as a left-hander. 
That's frowned upon. I couldn't stand John Tudor. All right, I'll get off of it. My bad, Cardinal fans. Quick break and we'll come back. Show today, show tomorrow, and Jethro Toll tickets coming at you. 93.5107. Find the fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Oh, come on, man. John Tudor? Ugh. Joe McGrain? Tom Pagnazzi. Come on. Todd Worrell. Gross. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I know. Jose Okendo, every position player. Hey, welcome back to the show. That, to me, sounds like Jethro Tull. August the 19th, TCU Amphitheater downtown. I get a pair of tickets to see Jethro Tull. The 1989 Hard Rock Heavy Metal Category Grammy Award winner. So good was the win. So big of an upset it was over ACDC, over Metallica. I believe the album was Injustice for All. (laughs) So big was the win. They changed the category a year later, did the Grammys. Jethro Tull, right there. I'm telling you, I could go on just naming Cardinals I can't stand from the past. Sorry about that. Jeremy Hubble writes this. And see, here's what's going to happen. I mean, automatically, right? Although, 27 to 42, that's pretty buried right now. But in typical Cardinal fashion, probably mid-August or something, they'll hit a turn. But it has been a disaster, an embarrassing disaster for them. Hubs wrote this. The Ryan Sandberg game was even better. Because it was against the Cardinals. I think I would agree with that. Great. All right. AJ's up next to 239-1070. AJ, jump on the show. How are you, sir? I'm good, sir. Thank you for taking my call. You know it. I, uh, I was calling because I thought that you and Kevin Bowen had a really good discussion about Jonathan Taylor and it was very hinted at uh, premium positions versus non-premium positions. Right. I wanted to talk about it, and there's two parts of this. It's something that's been talked about online, on, on the Twitterverse, and, and all that. Um, I wanted to know your thoughts on this. Yeah. In my opinion, and this is just mine, there are certain positions that are more valued than others, You know, meaning quarterback, left tackle, wide receiver slash tight end, if the tight end is a pass-catching tight end. Um, on the opposite side of the ball, you're looking at D-line and cornerback at the premium positions. Now, this is not to say that, in my opinion, that linebacker or center or running back aren't important positions, but I think if you were to line up 32 NFL GMs and say, would you rather have a premium quarterback or a premium running back? No, there's no doubt about that. It's quarterback every time. Yes, it is. 
Or or would you rather have a premium wide receiver or a premium linebacker? Yeah, and I tell you what, Edge, I got to run here. You always, it's always premium quarterback. That is always the answer. The answer is always a premium quarterback. AJ, thank you very much. Tom Nieto, Jack Clark, Andy Van Slyke. Hey, Van Slicky. Mike Jorgensen, Tito Lant, but Tom Lawless, Cardinals. Hey, James, great job today. Greg Rakestra, James Boyd, Kevin Bowen, podcast 1075thefan.com. Back with you tomorrow at 3. I promise I will be over this at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Thank you all. Inside the lounge as well. Have a great night.